This is the point where this podcast goes left. <laughs> oh no. Okay. R. Kelly has four oh. albums that are the best RB albums of all time. Oh, I pretend I just, just you know, I understand we're not supposed to be listening to him because of his lewd and lascivious acts, <laughs> but let's not cap here. Yo, what's good? Your boy Sopri 706. This is KTSC Av podcast where we don't do nothing we just kick it uh we have our host marcus sniffles and the lovely rev run mr savage is running late but he should be making an an appearance here shortly uh what's going on with y'all i'm actually gonna cut both of you guys off and tell you as a psa for homeowners out there uh the people on twitter that tell you like oh you know buy a house don't rent all that stuff you're wasting money i agree with those people but what I also say is make sure that you have a solid insurance policy, right? So since I moved to this house, let's see. The first thing that went out is the seller's finesse refrigerator that clearly didn't work, right? Actually, no. Before that, they took the refrigerator that they advertised in the listing. They said came with the house, right? They attempted to take the stove in the matching microwave, but that didn't work out. So sort of like, hey, let's give you guys a replacement refrigerator. Replacement refrigerator clearly had never worked. Because there was something in it that was burnt up. So we had to get a new refrigerator. No big deal. Let's say within a month or two, the AC goes out. Cool. Insurance company takes care of that. But it was extremely hot for about three days, like out of control. And now, most recently, our water heater has decided to go out. But the insurance company is also going to take care of that. So um, I've been boiling water in pots to a shower for the last two days. <laughs> so uh, homeowner insurance is a must if you're going to buy a home. So that is my PSA. You know what I'm saying? Level up, buy a house, but get good homeowner's insurance. Yeah. If you like to sponsor us, uh, Jake from State Farm, if y'all do that, uh, holler at me. DMs are open. How's y'all's weeks been going? Well, I'm currently in my rented um, home. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but other than that, well, your water probably works too, though, right? There oh, you yeah. go. <laughs> but I'm, I'm only here. I'm trying to get my light together because I look a little uh, dark, extra crispy today. I with my helmet of salvation, as you mentioned earlier. New beer. Uh, I don't know. I just came to terms with that today. So I was supposed to have a day off yesterday. Do you know, like, you know how quick days off go? Like, I woke up extra early to enjoy the full part of my day off. And then I looked down and I looked up and I had spent six hours on YouTube and it was six o'clock PM. What is going on? So that's been the extent of my week waiting for an off day that went away in six hours worth of YouTube binges. And I wasn't even watching anything important, maybe like a snowfall breakdown or like, I don't know, bullshit, but that's what I do with my time. Six hours. Yeah. Look, I I advocate for YouTube. I have YouTube pulled up right now. I'm watching this guy uh, eat the entire Subway menu. Um, oh, what for me? I don't even eat Subway, but I wanted to watch it. So I spend a lot of time on this godforsaken app. There's a lot so, of good stuff on YouTube, though. Well, well I, let me let me jump in there. So I know uh, one of the guys tweeted out that he bought his PlayStation Five and like only plays like one game because there's no good games out for PlayStation Five. Sony, if you're listening to the podcast, please put out some good games. But, like, to be honest, I spend the majority of my time on PlayStation 5 watching YouTube as well. Like, 
I'm, I'm like I said, right now my thing is watching uh, speed runs of video games that I've never played or have no desire to play. Where like they'll beat a game that takes like three months and like thirty five minutes. Most impressive thing you'll ever see. Just pick a random game, type in speed run. Like apparently in Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, there's like a supersonic. Like when you collect all the emeralds, and there's like another level. You collect the emeralds again, and you become like hyper supersonic. Did not know that, but I did learn that when I watched the guy do the speed run. So. Interesting stuff. I've been watching uh, uh, compilations of America's Best Dance Crew for the last two days. Mm. So, like, if, to give you any like indication of the dumb shit I watch, I, like I said, I'm watching this guy eat the entire subway move, uh, menu. I've been watching America's Best Dance Crew compilations. Um, sometimes I watch people try to cut their own bangs. Mm. Um, wow. I watch a ton of like Marvel Easter egg breakdowns. Shout out to new rock stars. Um, I, I do that here and there. Well, not Easter eggs. I watch like Comics Explained. Like I, so you went down a six-hour rabbit hole. I watched a, yeah, like an eight-hour video of this dude, like pretty much reading this entire comic series. It was great. It's a great story. I think it was uh, the original Sin, which would be a great movie or TV series. It's pretty good stuff. But anywho, yes, Comics Explained on YouTube. He's legit. Well, speaking of YouTube, like uh, I've been uh, playing some songs and videos for my kids of like you know older stuff like uh michael jackson and uh tina turner and stuff like that joe jackson was beating those kids asses oh my god they were on point like if you go back and watch some of those jackson five performances the vocals the dancing everything pristine they were getting their asses whooped good god back here so strong. No, wait. <laughs> so strong. She's Louise, man. But yeah, YouTube will uh YouTube will, will definitely uh, take up a lot of your time if you're not careful. I wasted my entire day. I'm so disappointed. Was it was it a waste though? Was it a waste? Because I mean it just it felt like a waste when I realized the sun had gone down and I had accomplished very little. And I still did work. I wasn't even off for real. Like I still worked for like an hour. Yeah, and then, nah. Another and I tried to watch uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but by the time the winter the the sun had gone down, I was so tired. <laughs> it was like eight thirty. I was struggling to stay awake. Well, like I, I don't even have cable. Like YouTube is literally like my source of entertainment for like news. Like I literally have YouTube and then like Netflix. Somebody's pirated Hulu account. Somebody's pirated Disney Plus account, and I I pay for my Netflix, but everything else is free. So allegedly pirated. Allegedly, allegedly, yeah. Netflix is trying to crack down on that, but that's not going to hurt me. That's going to hurt the yeah, you know, country, the country of Jamaica, because they all have my password. <laughs> Anywho, shout out to Corlicia, Jody, Janelle, all the people out there have my password out in the St. Elizabeth gang gang. We out here, but um, yes. Also on YouTube, I had to watch a video showing the differences in the original Justice League and the Snyder Cut. Um, my intentions were to come and say bad things about the Snyder Cut because I was hella trolling on Twitter when people were like, release the Snyder Cut, release the Snyder Cut. This is the greatest thing ever seen. This is this is going to change the movie landscape. This is going to change the game. The Snyder Cut, Snyder Cut, Snyder Cut, Snyder Cut. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to watch it. Like, I'm intrigued now. Like, it, I was more or less watching it to see if it was as good as everybody said and lived up to the hype. And what I will say, independently, not trying to compare it to the MCU, that God. it was a solid movie. It was hang a solid on, movie. hang on. 
Yeah, we did. Okay, so I had an over-under on how long yeah. it would take for us to mention Marvel in the Snyder Cut discussion. We didn't make it. We made it. It was less than two I, minutes. But Jesus I said Christ. I was saying it in the in the sense that I was not trying to compare it. I took the over. <laughs> I took the over. So it, where do we start? This movie is extremely long. I thought it was three parts. And then once it hit like part four, I was like, oh, there's more. All right. I'm not mad, but I was like my I didn't expect it to keep going. But overall, I'd say that it did add a lot of context to the movie. Um, if you haven't seen the Snyder Cut, there's probably gonna be spoilers. Well, probably not gonna be spoilers. We give hot takes, but it is a completely different movie. So if you haven't seen the first Justice League, just don't watch it because it's not good. It's not bad, but when you see this, you'll be like, "Oh wow!" Like, yeah, it's the baddest Aquaman. I've never seen Aquaman. What? Never seen. I have no desire to see Aquaman. Well, I saw Aquaman two times. Hated it both. What? Never yeah, seen Aquaman. thing. Even oh with Yaya. With, I mean, he had waves, but he looked damn good. And then, you know, of course, uh, Jason Aquaman was not a bad. It was not a bad movie. It wasn't the best. It was fine. It had potential. My main issue, maybe I shouldn't call it bad. I will say that everybody, every single person from the extras to the leads overacted their way through that entire movie. Not and either. it was not corny at a point, so. Well, <laughs> that would be one of my my issues with the Snyder because like some of the one-liners were kind of corny, and then the Flash being the uh, point of comic relief at times is a bit over the top and a bit corny too. But I, I do wow. like they gave the brother the brother man cyborg whatever his name was a lot of shine. They actually like fleshed out his story, which apparently in the original version was non-existent. Again, I watched the original version one time. So, and that was about probably over shit. Whenever it came out, what year did it come out? Like 2017. Okay, so I watched that that version one time four years ago. So I really, I knew the story, but watching this one without having seen it a hundred times, like the DC nerds and stands out there, I think that actually benefited me because I really don't remember the old story. This new story though, I was like, okay, this shit is lit, like right out the gate. Like it's extremely well put together, um, but I let Marcus get his takes. Well, it was obviously it was a lot. It was a lot better of a movie than what was put out. Um, I think uh, the four-hour runtime is going to turn off a lot of people, um, but they do do a good job as far as breaking it down, breaking it into seven parts, so you can kind of like they'll, they'll give you stopping points, so you can just like, all right, I'm stopping at part three, and then I'll come back later. Uh, it's it's hard to discuss discuss the Snyder Cut and Justice League when you're talking about like, is this a good movie? Because it's like. What are you comparing it to? So if you go into this movie saying like, all right, is this going to be better than the original Justice League that was put out? Compared to that, this movie is a 10 out of 10. This movie is perfect, hands down, no issues, best movie, whatever. If you're comparing this movie to all the other movies released in the DCEU, I think it's in the top tier. But I don't know if it's better than Shazam, and I'm not sure if it's better than like Man of Steel or Wonder Woman. I think it. it if I watch, and I, I'd like to watch it again. But if I were to watch it again, I would probably put it as number one. But it's not unquestionably the best DCE movie, East DCEU movie I've seen before. And then you compare it to all the DC movies. Like it's not better than Dark Knight Rises. It's not better than Batman Begins. So it's like I, I don't think those where, 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 where are, you put it at. You can't. Those are that's well, like that, the, that's a different section. That, that's 
that's how that's how you have to go into it though. Like if you if you're going into this movie, if you've never seen the original Justice League, you're going to really like this movie. But it's like you go into comic book movies with an idea of like, all right, what is my comparison point? Where where's the the point where I like connect this? Because even even with like uh, Captain America or Iron Man, like when Iron Man first came out, you're you're thinking back to like, all right. Is this as good as the last comic book movie that I saw? Is this better than Spider-Man 3 or The Amazing Spider-Man or uh, The Dark Knight Rises or, or any, any of those other movies? So it, it's it's hard to... You, you just got to kind of put the old movies out of your head when you watch this one. Don't go into this thinking like the old Justice League movie because they're to, two totally different movies. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't even notice until I watched the recap that they changed like Stephen Wolf's character appearance as well. Which again, it, it tells me the first movie didn't really leave that big of an impression on me. But uh, yeah, that that's kind of our take on that. We're gonna do a little bit more of a deep dive on that. Get a uh, President Black or Kobe Grant on Twitter and talk about it, because apparently he's watched the movie six times. It's the Snyder Cut? Yes. It's insane. Like people get on me about anime, but like I've never rewatched any series. Well, one, but I watched it with my wife, so that's different. That's the count. I but, think yeah. I rewatch everything, but I cannot rewatch a four-hour-long one sitting film. It, it didn't sound like he was done. It sounded like he had a couple more, <laughs> a couple more uh, bullets in the chamber. I was like, God damn! Like, I don't know about that, but yeah, I'll probably run it again. But you know, now that I kind of know what's going. Actually, I'd run it, but I'd probably skip the first part. I don't need the, I don't need the build-up part. I just want to get to the actual new story portion. But don't need to watch Superman screaming for five minutes. I mean, that was kind of lit, though. But yeah. anywho, staying in the comic realm, uh, episode two, The Falcon and Winter Soldier came out. Um, and again, uh, Marvel is, they're holding it down. Like, I'm I'm very surprised. Well, not very surprised. I figured with this one, they'd do a lot better than WandaVision, even though I think WandaVision ended a lot better than most people give her credit for. <clears throat> and again, I think if we didn't have the pandemic and we had the ability to go see these movies that these shows are supposed to directly tie into, I think they would be viewed a little bit differently, but again, we're in the pan, the pan, the panorama, the Pandora, whatever you want to call it. So we don't have that luxury right now. So, but Falcon and Winter Soldier episode two, um, <clears throat> it, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, if you haven't watched it, you know, spoiler alert. You probably want to skip this part of the podcast, but I, I don't know what Marvel is doing with this. Uh, how do we, how do we put this? This. Uh, great value Captain America thing they're doing. Like, I don't, I don't really get this. I don't know what the plan. I hope this dude's going to die. That's my, my hope for this, but okay. He's really annoying. Quick. And so this guy, um, I believe his last name is Walker, but I can't remember his first name. John, Johnny Walker. Yeah. So in the comics, this guy turns into like crazy cap. And basically, mm, I can already see. I can it's see like, that. he's, he's not, he's not referred to as Captain America in the comics at any point. Um, but eventually he kind of just like kind of goes off. They have some buckies, some people that come in, and then this cat goes kind of crazy and starts killing everybody. Um, I think they may be setting up that storyline. At least that's what it feels like. Um, because every time you kind of focus on this particular Captain America, he's uh he seems as if he's got some shit going on in the background. Um, his his token black friend. Um, is actually star. <laughs> so yeah, that's a weak. That's a weak ass name too. Yeah, poor token. 
Um, but yeah, poor, um, I don't know. There's only six episodes, so I'm interested to see how, it, to me at least, it feels like the first two were a little slow, similar to WandaVision, where it was just kind of like world building. Um, so I'm interested to see how fast they go in these next four episodes, especially with, again, spoiler alert, with uh, Zemo popping back into the picture. Um, you, you thought those first two episodes were slow? I just think, so I think they were dialogue heavy. Um, I think episode two kind of ramped it up with the action. Uh, but I do think it was dialogue heavy. I think they're trying to introduce a bunch of stuff at one time. Um, and also, and this is just a personal issue, I feel like Marvel is very heavy handed in this series in particular with like their social justice message. Um, uh, and, like, I disagree. I disagree. Like, five minutes, Falcon is like, because I'm black, y'all. And then he just kind of stares in the camera. And it's like, we get it, my nigga. Uh, I know Mr. Savage has some, uh, some, some takes on this. <laughs> In the group chat, as far as like his uh, his opinion on how this episode went, and I I didn't understand what he's talking about until I watched it, but I kind of see what he was talking about. So, Mister Savage, what's what's going on? I thought it was definitely uh, <clears throat> first. I do gr- uh, disagree with uh, Mrs. Pinocchio or whatever it says your name is down there. I don't have my glasses on. I apologize, <laughs> but. I felt like the first episode was was a pretty moderate amount of action. The second one had enough action too. Um, I do actually like how they touch on certain black issues, um, and I do look forward to the. Well, I like the way that they're building the story. Like you could tell that there's some sort of rivalry that is coming, and the seeds are planted for something big. Now looking at it and knowing that it's only six episodes, I think I'm setting myself up to be disappointed, but. This one so far is exceeding my expectations coming out of the expectations I had from WandaVision and the Black Widow because I didn't expect anything from them and they didn't really, well, one hasn't come out. But I'm really looking forward to see what they do with this. I'm I'm definitely down with the Black Agenda. Uh, Shout out to Isaiah for holding it down. You know, I ain't no regular nigga. Don't discount me. I serve my time. Shout out to Isaiah. Yeah, he's... I want to say that I don't just like the messaging. I just think that sometimes it's a little on the nose and it, it, at points it feels like these were words for a black man written by somebody non-black. And so they are not, sometimes they don't feel as authentic as they probably intend. I like that they're there. I appreciate that they're there. Sometimes they just feel a little bit, um, you know how some like, Sometimes there are mess- there's messaging for black people in shows that's obviously for white people to understand and not for us. Sometimes it feels like that. Well, we were we were talking about this before we started recording, and I like I like that you brought it up so we can talk about it. As far as the uh, the messaging and the you know pro black stuff that they're doing, the scene where you know Bucky and and um, Falcon are arguing in the streets and the cops come and it's like, hey, you know. Give me your ID, and it's I don't have to give you my ID. And oh well, that's the then you don't know that's the Falcon. It's like oh my bad, you're one of the good ones. Like that that's for white people, and that's I can see how that is viewed as more heavy handed. But if we go back to the scene prior to that, to when they were in the house and they were talking to the old man, and he was talking about how you know mm-hmm. he did all these things in the military, and that's something that has happened before. Like you can talk to. You know your grandparents or whoever's listening to it, your grandparents about 
you know, watch, watch any old war movie. Black people are non-existent. They act like black people did nothing in any type of war because our history was erased, just like this character's. The the part where, where he talks about being or having being a super soldier and doing all these things and then being experimented on for all that time, being in jail for 30 years, his whole like everything he did just being erased. That stuff is realistic. Like if if the people that are watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier right now, when they had when that scene came up about the whole like, you know, I was in prison. They were experimenting on me while I was in the military. How many people do you think understood what that reference was? Mm -hmm. Going back to like the whole Tuskegee, uh, uh, you know, all that experiments. Like a lot of people still don't really know about that. That's not something that is talked about. That's not like a like every we we all have the conversation about you know the how to act in front of cops and. Uh, you know, you have to be, you know, keep your voice down, stuff like that. Well, we've had we, we've had that conversation. The conversation about how black people have been treated by the military is something that we don't really discuss that often. Uh, you can talk to like my grandpa, my grandpa who had who was in the military and he wasn't able to get um, like the types of promotions that other people get because he wasn't qualified enough or black people not being able to get the VA loan because you're black. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are those are issues that we don't really discuss that often. And for Disney to bring that into this show, I thought that was a, a major push forward for them as far as like, because they could have did, you know, the whole hand holding thing where it's like, oh, well, he's black, so he can be Captain America, too. And I'm here to inspire, inspire all these black kids out of the hood to be better. Like, they could have just did that. But taking it this far, this is an extra step. So real quick for and again, I, I, I I'm pretty well versed in some of the comic stuff just because of uh, our youth, my YouTube watches, watch is watch is if that's a word, my time watching YouTube, like we spoke about early in the uh, podcast, but I had no clue about this uh, Isaiah character. So uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, he's another super soldier that they were doing tests on, blah, blah, blah. They gave him the super soldier serum. Uh, let's see. I guess the government told the families of these people that they died. Uh, this dude, Isaiah Bradley, was the sole survivor of the test group. He steals a spare costume and shield intended for Captain America before he engages in a suicide mission to destroy the super soldier efforts of Nazis and the concentration camp. Uh, he did that, blah, blah, blah. He fought, he fought, he fought. And he's trying to reverse engineer his powers and send the spare parts back to America. Blah, blah, blah. Bradley was rescued by German insurgents, only to be court-martialed and imprisoned in Leavenworth for, like he said, about 30 years. So it's an interesting story. I'm about to actually check this out. Like, um, <clears throat> they were saying that he was just like, a, I guess, the Black Messiah for Marvel Comics for quite a while. I guess in the comics, he received visits from Malcolm X, Richard Pryor, Muhammad Ali, Angela Davis, Alex Haley, Nelson Mandela, and uh, Colin Powell. And I guess characters such as like Luke Cage describes himself as the first me. And now I'm wondering, like, why do they give us whack ass Luke Cage and not this story? Luke Cage like, they the first season was all right. I didn't finish the second season. I, it, I couldn't. Well, I, I mean, I, I I get that, but it's just like I don't know. Like these are these are stories that that need to be told. Like these are the type of stories that they got to be that they should be telling. And I mean, Disney could have easily just glossed over this part. Like yeah. easily, 
Like no one, no one, no one knew about this guy, and they could easily I'm, just. I'm sure there's out. like ten people that knew about it, but you know, you know how that goes. I think also something that Disney is well, maybe just Marvel Studios uh, is doing in the background. Um, that they're doing a really good job of that. I really like is setting up the young Avengers. Um, so we've already seen Wicked and Speed, um, and we assume that they'll make a, a comeback in Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. Um, attached to Isaiah Bradley is the younger guy that came to the door first. His name is Elijah Bradley or Eli Bradley. Um, and he is Patriot, who is another young Avenger. Um, we'll get a younger Hawkeye, I think, uh, his daughter. Um, and so I think there, uh, Cassie Lang is one of the young Avengers. We've already seen Monica Rambeau. So I think that they're doing a really good job of setting up the next couple phases or the next phase or so of the MCU. Um, it's fun to kind of get these background characters. And I think that's another reason why Isaiah Bradley is just now coming up. They needed an end for Elijah Bradley going forward and maybe they'll use Elijah to it makes so, sense. Talk about it, Isaiah. It makes sense why he hasn't been brought up. Because like right. why would anybody know about this guy? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like he spends a lot this, of time locked up and hidden away. So it's the it's the government's dirty little secret that they had for forty years. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, so I get all that. I guess to kind of button this up, I'm curious how they're gonna integrate these new because I mean they're gonna do the young Avengers. These are gonna be like semi-major character so i guess maybe the tv show gets people aware of these people that we've never seen and these names we haven't heard of as far as like bringing in monica rambo's character and whatnot and these other characters so i guess that's the the point where they're saying like hey with these new movies coming out the new the next phase you're going to have to watch these movies or watch these shows to understand kind of where these characters come from so i guess that's a way to you know Bring people that, back. Know that Ironheart is coming, um, and then Kang the Conqueror is on the way. Uh, they are they cast Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors is Kang the Conqueror. I I don't I, I don't know what they have in, in mind, but I assume that when they He's, introduce the next big bad, they'll introduce this this young group of Avengers. I assume I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. uh, Kang the Conqueror is supposed to be the next uh, Ant Man movie. Mm-hmm. They have uh, a Miss Marvel TV show coming out also. And another thing that I do like about the Falcon and Winter Soldier is how they're like putting up a mirror in front of Falcon, of in front of Falcon and Bucky, like with the new Captain America and his black sidekick. It's like you know the new Captain America is white. The lead of the show is Falcon is black. His sidekick is white. The new Captain America sidekick is black. You know the whole military stuff. Um, they they seem to be like I don't want to say that they're better. But they look more well equipped to do the job that entails like that that is required to be Captain America. Like Bucky is not qualified to be Captain America's sidekick. Falcon doesn't seem to want to do all the other outside stuff that it takes to be Captain America. These other these other two guys seem to want to do it, and they just lack that you know superhuman strength that Bucky has, the wings that Falcon has. So it'll be interesting to see how those four characters kind of like parallel each other like i i i want to see how they how they uh like confront each other as far as like doing like they're all trying to do the right thing but it just feels like the other two guys are more well equipped to handle everything that comes with being superheroes they can't bring that b-grade captain america into like the main the main screen the big screen i they can't do it he's gotta go he's gotta i got an early prediction that and we can good thing this is time stamped. I have an early prediction that uh 
uh, Walmart cap, his friend is going to turn against him and kind of join Bucky and Falcon uh, in a fight against uh, Target Captain America. Um, and yeah, I think that's how we get that that guy out of here. And it, it's so sad because I'm sure that the actor himself is a great guy, but I don't like him. Captain yeah. White privilege. Yeah. <laughs> he just looks ridiculous. Like when I, I before I saw the show, I saw like a meme of him. And I honestly thought it was somebody who was at the insurrection. Like I thought it was somebody just dressed up, yeah, cosplaying as Captain America, like storming the Capitol. I was like, oh wait a second, this is actually like part of the show. This is like a real person. So uh. that's that's how bad it looked. I thought he was a, a meth meth mouth, uh, you know, what I'm saying insurrectionist. But shout out to the actor. I'm sure you're you're fine. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is, man. If you fit the role, you got to take it. But. Anywho, we kind of glossed over this. We actually going to talk about this first, but there is a, I guess you could call a blockbuster trade in the NFL regarding draft picks, um, <clears throat> which has ramifications for at least two of our teams that I kind of fake support at times. Um, so the 49ers traded with the Dolphins to get the, was it third overall pick? Yeah kind of ending the Jimmy Guwap era, which I'm still disgusted that people crowned him the greatest thing since sliced bread after mm-hmm. when he, he started like 7-0 and and then he beat uh, Mr. Savage's uh, staunch Jacksonville Jaguars defense at the time. People were ready to crown him just the oh, whole Jimmy Guwap, Jimmy G, he's so handsome, he's so good. And now he's over here fighting for his fucking life to keep a job because <laughs> I'm pretty sure they didn't draft up to the third spot to not take a quarterback, so. God, God bless Jimmy G. You know, he could probably be a model after his career is over, but hey, that man's a legend at the bank, man. That man's yeah. got he's he got paid, paid. Yeah. One one average. bad throw, one bad throw away from being a Super Bowl champion. But uh, I guess what are you guys' thoughts? I I I so I usually pay attention to the stuff to see what the Falcons are doing, but honestly, I'm I feel like Sweetie, like take care. Whatever y'all choose to do in there, I've mentally checked out of this relationship a long time ago, and uh, intimacy means nothing when it's shared with other women. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <coughs> Sorry. Uh, I thought wants to go. I thought he was about to jump in. Yeah, I can uh, <clears throat> go ahead and say my piece. So I kind of feel like, I don't know, it's a crazy move. I mean, this is what I always go back to. I always go back to 2011 where you had, what was it, four or five quarterbacks taken within the top 12 picks. You're giving up a first this year. Well, that's a wash. A third next year a first in 2022, a first in 2023 for the third best quarterback in this class. So, I mean, you're telling me that 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 just when you think about it, that's a wild gamble. Like you're giving up a ton of assets, four premium starters at least, to get the third best quarterback from this class because you're not going to get Trevor Lawrence. And I don't know if you guys seen Zach Wilson throw, but man, he has a rocket of an arm. And the yeah. word on the street is for Curry Lance. 
an FBS quarterback who didn't look that good this year in the one game he did play. And, I mean, I know he can run. And if it's Fields, because I know Fields is now slid. Some, somebody said he should be a fourth-rounder. Racism. That's crazy. That's crazy. Lance is, is black, too. But regardless of the fact, that is a, that's a ton to give up for a guy that's going to need to be a superstar. Now, I think their train of thought is, hey, we'll keep Jimmy G this year, let him go next year, trade him next year, let the guy kind of develop. But you're putting a whole lot on an FBS quarterback to be the man. Like, not only do you need to be – you need to be better than three or four players. Like, it's a lot. It's a whole lot. But in their scenario – they have a really good defense. They have a really mm-hmm. good – they have weapons on offense. All they need is the quarterback. So I guess you're just thinking, hey, if, if you hit on this, you're probably going to be picking late from here on out for the next decade, maybe even 12 or 15 years. So I understand it. If it was me, I would have tried to send that for number one or send that for number two and make sure I'm getting that pick. That's my point. I, I don't understand why why the Jets didn't take that offer. Like, why why not trade down and get some more picks? And you can either ride it out with Sam Darnold for another year and build a better team around him because Sam Darnold is somewhat still talented. He just had a terrible, terrible coaching around him and a terrible team. But if you're able to get more picks, more chances to build around him, and you could drop down and still maybe – get a, a quarterback in the first round then then so be it but if you roll if you roll out with Matt or with uh Sam Darnold again and he sucks you'll be in this position again to draft another quarterback and you know you'll have all those draft draft picks to begin with but I I, I agree with the Dolphins like why would you trade up to get potentially the third best quarterback in the draft unless you know that the Jets are not drafting a quarterback at number two Unless you know that. If you know for sure, like, hey, they're not taking Zach Wilson, they're not taking Justin Fields, and you can get one of those two, then yeah, then that makes sense. But to trade up to to trade up for the third best quarterback and like I don't like the whole I don't like to do the whole well, you only got the third best quarterback because Josh Allen was the third best quarterback in his draft. Or, or, and Deshaun Watson was the third drafted quarterback in his draft. So I mean it, it just being just because you're first overall doesn't mean you're the best. So, yeah. Well, I, this this uh, this kind of tells me or makes me question a couple of things. Like, a how long is Kyle Shanahan's contract with uh, San Francisco? That's my first question. Um, <clears throat> B, this could be a kind of a desperation play for Shanahan because again, the ex- expectations coming from Atlanta after being a couple of bad calls away from winning the Super Bowl. And then him also making it to the Super Bowl and being one bad throw away from winning a Super Bowl. I think the, the, the heat is on for him. Like, this is like, yo, put up or shut up time. For like, Shanahan? Yeah. I don't think so. Okay, well, this is this is why I would say that. So, if they plan on keeping him for a long time, he's a pretty uh, younger-ish coach, right? And he's supposed to be this offensive genius. And we've seen his greatness as a supporter of the team in Atlanta at times. I, I've seen what he can do. While you're saying, like, hey, why doesn't he just get trade up and ensure he gets the second best quarterback? Is because I don't honestly think it really matters, right? With his system, 
you don't have to be, and we've, we've seen this, you don't have to be necessarily a world beater at quarterback to be successful. You just have to run the system. Again, yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo, who was about to be out of a job, was one pass away from being a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Against Patrick Mahomes. Against Patrick Mahomes. Now, give him a quarterback that, A, has an arm like a Justin Fields or a Zach Wilson or a Trey Lance, and who has the mobility to get busy like those guys in that offense where there's a lot of, a lot of bootlegs, a lot of the quarterback moving out of the pocket to make throws. I, I see why you do this because, again, you could k- keep Jimmy G for a year and let him get the new quarterback adjust to the offense, like the situation in Atlanta where Matt Ryan's first year in that system, he looked terrible. And then the second year, he won the MVP with the Super Bowl. Well, so, I, I do like the idea of them if they are going to get the third best quarterback in the draft and it happens to be Justin Fields. It should be Justin that, Fields. Yeah. He'll, that's, he'll that, cook in that offense. That, that's a pretty good – uh, constellation price, especially for that team, because they already have a good defense, a great defense. They have one of the best offensive coaches. And think about what Shanahan has done with quarterbacks with Justin Fields' skill set. Like you go back to RG3's rookie year, RG3 was arguably like a top, he was a top five quarterback, not just a rookie, top five quarterback. Now you have Justin Fields, who's bigger, stronger, faster. I don't and, know if he's faster. He's he runs fast. A four, oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah RG3 is track fast. He's a track guy. Okay, just, at, just as fast. He's bigger and just as fast, and he has a better arm, and he's more accurate than RG3. RG3 was tearing up the league as a rookie. Now you give Shanahan Justin Fields with a great defense? Mm-hmm. That that could be a problem. Scary for a lot of that Scary could be a hours. problem for a lot of people, <laughs> even though, like, I mean, obviously you want to get – in that second slot so you can guarantee yourself that you get the best quarterback that you want. But <laughs> I feel like Josh was pulling whatever hair he has left out because this is the second year in a row that uh, the 49ers have jumped the Falcons in the draft. So Yeah, th- this is the big narrative in, in Falcons Twitter that now because, because this deal – they're saying that the Falcons probably possibly were offered this deal and didn't take it. So with the restructuring of Matt Ryan's contract – depending on your your leaning towards the Falcons drafting quarterback or sticking with Matt Ryan, this either means that, A, we're not drafting a quarterback because we restructured his contract and we didn't take this offer to get this King's ransom to get the fourth overall spot, or, B, this means, hey, we're locked in on a quarterback. That's why we didn't trade out of this pick to get this King's ransom because there's no reason in, in some people's head that you would trade out of the pick if you didn't want to take one of the guys in the top three or four. So. It's it's interesting. Again, I, I want to see who. I, I hope it's Justin Fields. Even though I would, I wouldn't mind seeing Justin Fields in a Falcons uniform. But I think he would really excel in this offense, and I would I would love for him to be successful. Just despite all the ridiculous uh, University of Georgia fans. There, there's there's no reason the 49ers traded up to the third spot to not get a quarterback. Like a lot yeah, of people have been saying, like, yeah, like oh, they're gonna get. Uh, the tight end from Florida or, Kyle you know, Pitts. yeah. Or uh, Sertan, the second or whoever. I'm like, you don't trade up. Like you don't trade up for those guys. You trade up for quarterbacks. No. That's how exactly. the NFL works. I'm sorry. And if I'm the Falcons, I'm getting on the phone with the, with the Panthers at eight. I'm saying well, like, Hey, you want Trey Lance? What's, what's up? Come up and get him. Well, that's the other narrative is that people don't think the teams will trade with their rivals, but I'm like, well, yeah, it will. <laughs> why not? Do you want to get better or not? You're right. 
but it would be kind of sad if you were to do that and then Trey Lance is terrorizing the Falcons for the next decade and some change. So that well, you got that's... Matt Ryan. He's supposed to be an elite quarterback, so you'll be fine. Oh yeah, he's thirty six. I'm sure he'll be around for a, a decade. I mean, but... the Falcons the, now. That's going to be the interesting part of the draft because they can go a lot of different places. I mean, do you get Mac Jones would be a terrible pick, but do you get yes, Mac Do you get? No. Uh, Lance, do you get Swell? Do you get Chase? If you get Chase, you know what? I mean, I know it's ridiculous, but it is Jesus ridiculous. Christ, do, it. Saying. do it. Well, do no, it. That would be absurd. Do it. They said that's a good do consolation it. prize, but they also say that Kyle Pitts would actually be the better, the better pick at the moment. It, it's if, too many, but see, if you get Pitts, you have to he the only way that pick works out, he has to be Kelsey good. He can't be Gonzalez. They're, he can't be. Saying, he could be Gonzalez. He could be Gonzalez. He can't. Even, he can't even be Gonzalez. He needs to be a consistent thousand yard guy, tenacious blocker. I mean, he's a tight end. He don't got to be a smooth. And as a receiver, Chase is gonna be a better receiver. Yeah, but the thing is with Chase is that again, he's he essentially be penciled in as Julio's replacement. But with this type of dynamic player at tight end you can use all three of these guys at the same time and the learning curve is not going to be as steep for jamar chase because he's going to be on the outside playing against top tier corners right pitts is going to be inside he's there's no there's not many linebackers that can keep up with him speed wise there's not many nickelback cornerbacks that can keep up with him size wise size or speed wise so that's an instant mismatch if you can scheme it up right which arthur smith likes to use tight ends so if you're trying to get the most out of Matt Ryan's twilight, this would be the move. You got Julio really on the outside, Pitts on the inside, pick your poison. That's that's just what it is. I think that would be the best decision, but it's, it's really all how Matt Ryan adapts to his 36 office coordinator and 36 offensive scheme. So usually statistically his first year, he doesn't play great, but we don't we really don't have the time for that. At this point, you you got to figure it out. The coaching staff got to figure it out. We, we don't have time to to run it back again, again. Yeah, know? and the good thing is, he comes from the same line that you guys had before. With um, I mean, he he was under what was his name that we both had? What was his name? He sucks as a coach. He was the Titans coach, the Jags coach. He was your oh, Mike Malarkey. Mike Malarkey. He's yeah. from that system, so it should be a little bit of familiarity there. Yeah, if you got a 6'6", 240-pound tight end that runs a 4'4", you you got to scheme that guy open. Especially, again, you have Julio, you got Ridley, you got Hayden Hurst. Like, if you can't scheme these guys up to get these guys open and use their talent, then that's a foul on you. But, I mean, it all starts in the trenches, so we got to figure that out as well. But it's going to be an interesting time period for the NFL. I'm actually going to buy cable so I can watch the Falcons play legally this year. So, shout out to them. But the NBA had its trade deadline, and there's been some significant moves. Uh, apparently, the Nets are assembling the Infinity Gauntlet to defeat uh, my Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James in his 18th season because everybody fears that man and his uh, receding hairline. Um, I am not a basketball aficionado, so I will let uh, Marcus and Rev handle this. So go, go Lakers. I um... – Marcus, you start because I need to catch up. I the last I saw was Lamarcus August for the Nets. Um, I've seen Lou Will swap for Rondo, so Rondo's back. Give me a couple of Lou. Yeah, shout out to to Lou Will. The point um, God, Rondo. 
I believe Drake has a line that says booming out in South Gwinnett like Lou Will, six man like Lou Will, two girls, and they get along like I'm Lou Will. So shout out to that man. Uh, <laughs> um, so I saw that move. Uh, I saw Evan Turner tell some white man in his IG comments that he throws a lot of money at a local Portland strip club, and that's how said young man keeps his phone on. Um, I did that see was that. Like, trade for Norman Powell. I don't know how that became. Uh, Jeff T got, I believe he got traded from the Celtics and then waived by the Magic, maybe. Aaron Gordon wanted out and I think he's now in Denver, which is good for them. Light-skinned Avengers. So, oh, well, no, this is before the trade deadline, but also I never got to say shout-out to Blake Griffin for getting, for getting out of Detroit. What's crazy and about Blake Griffin? too, by the way. Yeah, I was about to say, Blake Griffin hasn't, he hadn't dunked in two years and he gets to Brooklyn and his first basket is a dunk. I'm like, what is going on here? Why? The, the thing that NBA players do is they will act like they are awful just to get away from the just team. Just to get away. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you acting like toddlers? <laughs> I think the, the one, the one, the one trade that you missed was, uh, my Miami Heat getting uh, Victor Oladipo from uh, Houston for literally nothing. Yes. We gave up like nothing. aspirations and stuff like that. Like we got, we gave up like Kelly Olynyk and some other guy I'd never heard of for a bag uh, of Doritos. Yeah, for a three-time All Star. So that was uh, I, I I enjoyed that trade. I think people I, are I, undervaluing Depot and by people I mean like NBA. This well, he's gonna be he's gonna be like our third third option. <clears throat> Having him Depot, as a third option, like. He hurt himself, so of course he was gone for a year. But I, I don't. Yeah. I think he still got a lot in the tank, personally. I would. I would also like to point out that, like, when uh, James Harden wanted out of Houston, and everybody called him selfish and be a team guy, and Boogie Cousins and John Wall were like, "Well, you're not giving us a chance to even try. You don't even want to try." Look at the Houston Rockets record; they are twelve and thirty-two. That team is ass. No okay? basketball vibes. James Harden was right. James Harden saw the writing on the wall. He was like, this team ain't good enough to win. I've been on winning teams. These guys ain't it. I went out, and the media crushed him for it. Now look at him. He might – He might, he's in the running for MVP now. James Harden, yeah. in the in the, in the the running for MVP. I think the, the Nets are the one seed. They're the two seed. They're like a game and a half behind the Sixers. But the Nets, the Nets are doing some, like, NBA 2K type additions to their roster like getting Blake Griffin getting LaMarcus Aldridge that one that one hurt me because I really thought it the 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 report said LaMarcus Aldridge was either going to Portland or Miami it was us two that was it and then Brooklyn comes out of nowhere and just snatches him up and he's coming off the bench like and Kevin Durant's not even playing he hasn't played in months and he's it's resting. not like Aldridge was like he didn't have a ton. He doesn't have a ton of wear and tear on his body. He's been playing with the Spurs. Like that's the slowest basketball system yeah. ever. So the man got miles on him. He's coming off the bench. He'll be a huge help. He can he can spread the floor because he can shoot threes. He's an experienced guy. He's a veteran. Like he knows where to fit in. And if he's coming off of the bench, he's going to destroy second units. Yes. Like backups are not going to have. They're not going to have an answer for Lamarcus Aldridge. And this was a conversation. A conversation that I saw happening on Twitter. Like. For me, I, I'm happy that, you know, like, obviously I want the Heat to win the championship, and my second team is the Lakers, so I'd like them to win the championship. But if those two teams don't win, and it does happen to be the Nets, 
I'm going to be happy that James Harden is validated and wins a championship because he he he's good. He's one of those players where it's like history will not remember him fondly if he doesn't win a championship. So I'll be happy for James Harden to get a championship. I'll be happy for Blake Griffin to be to get a championship. For Lamarcus Aldridge, I'll be happy for him to get a championship. I think it'd be cool for uh, you know Kevin Durant to win a championship in a different conference. For Kyrie Irving to win a championship without LeBron, those are good storylines to have. On the flip side of that, I think people might look at this as a negative on Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant left Russell Westbrook and he went to the Warriors, the seventy-two, the seventy-three win Warriors with an MVP in Steph Curry, an All Star in Clay Thompson, arguably the greatest shooter ever. A defensive player that multiple defensive player of the year winner in Draymond Green, uh, Steve Kerr, multiple multiple time you know NBA coach champion champion as a player, and he went there to win his championships, and now he leaves there to go to Brooklyn. Now you got Kyrie Irving. You know you feel how you feel about him. I think he's probably the third or fourth best player, and then you get James Harden, then you get uh, Blake Griffin. Then you get LaMarcus Aldridge, and it's like, all right, Kevin, how much help you need to win a championship, man? Like, okay. we so, don't, we, and, and I'm not, I'm not, this isn't me saying this. I'm saying this is a conversation that I could see, I could see it brewing in NBA Twitter. We're like, well, Kevin Durant needed all this. He needed, you know, 40 all stars to beat LeBron James in the finals. This is like, I can, I can see it coming on the horizon. And here's where I would argue that this is different than the Warriors move. Even though I personally did not have an issue with the Warriors move. He made the right move. Right. If you want to win basketball games, you go where niggas is winning basketball games. And at that time, they was winning basketball games in Golden State. And But the reason I think that this is different is because Kevin Durant went to the Nets for Kyrie. He didn't go for all these extra characters. He didn't go with the notion... James Harden would join him later, and then you know Blake Griffin would want out of Detroit, even though who doesn't want out of Detroit? Um, he didn't know the knowledge that Blake Griffin would want out of Detroit, and that you know this Lamarcus Aldridge trade would happen. These were all decisions that were completely out of his hands. So I would say this is different to the point to in, in the fact that Kevin seemed to be trying to remove himself from the narrative that he needed a team of all stars around him just to be thrust back into that narrative uh, without his own control. I, again, do I care? No. Basketball is a game to be won. Championships are to be racked up. MVPs and, and offensive players of the year. Like, you want these things. And sticking it out with an awful team is not a pat on the back. Like, you are no, <laughs> you are here to win. And sticking around with a team that is not giving you the opportunity to win is dumb. That's like staying, us regular people staying at a job that's like, we clearly have other offers. We can go make more money, but we stay at this job for some stupid sense of loyalty. The Bradley Bill. Like, Bradley Bill got out of it. Like, the bosses don't care about you. I don't know if you know, but they don't care whether you leave or not. So go ahead and leave. And I appreciate Kevin Durant. I appreciate any player that's like, I don't like it here. Like, Aaron Gordon was like, I'm I'm dead in Orlando. If you guys could kindly get out of here before the end of the week, that'd be great. So I appreciate like you, it. Like, you had your time. They they had their time with him. Like a lot of these teams, like Washington, you've had your time with Bradley Bill. Orlando, you had your time with Vucevic. You had your time with Aaron Gordon. Um, the Rockets Gordon had their time with James Harden. Yeah, all these guys, all these teams, you wasted it. You had a chance and you blew it. I'm sorry. And I'm of the mindset where the NBA is built on stars. This isn't college basketball. 
where you want to see the underdog win. You want to see the, the little engine that could make it to the sweet 16. Like, nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to watch the finals with Detroit and San Antonio. You want to see big markets. You want to see big stars. And I'm already I'm already fast-forwarding to the finals. If I'm Adam Silver and you're, and you're able to do this, I want Lakers-Nets in the finals. I got Los Angeles Lakers, the returning champions, LeBron James, Anthony Davis going against the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn, New York, the new, you know, mecca of basketball, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. Those are big, big. Those are two, two, of the, two out of three are MVPs of the NBA. You have James Harden and Kevin Durant running it back from their OKC days trying to get this championship together. You have the Kevin Durant versus LeBron James rivalry. You have the Kyrie Irving versus LeBron James rivalry. You have New York versus Los Angeles, East Coast, West Coast. This is Adam Silver's wet dream right here. And the more stars, the better. Bring it on. Like, look like look back through history. Look at the Bulls. Look at the Lakers. Look at the Celtics. Look at the Warriors. Look at like the Lakers again. We want to see the fans want to see stars. We want to see big names. We want like hopefully at this point, whenever the finals is, hopefully like everybody is vaccinated and we can get back to having fans at the games. But could you imagine the the people? front row at an NBA Finals game in Los Angeles featuring Kevin Durant and LeBron, you could, you could potentially have Beyonce, Jay-Z, Rihanna, Jack Nicholson, Denzel. Like, all the stars are coming to those games. Everybody. Kevin Hart's going to be there. Chris Brown is going to be like, whoever you whoever is anybody, if you're trying to sell something, if you're trying to promote something, you want floor seats to that game because everybody's going to be watching. Your grandma will be watching those finals because she knows who LeBron is. Like people that casual basketball fans, they know LeBron, they know Kevin Durant. They're gonna watch those games. Believe that. Adam Silver needs this to happen. He needs these these teams, and I'm 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 here for it. I, 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 okay, so I, I just wanted to give my quick thoughts on it. First, with the Warriors, I mean, not with the Warriors, with the, the Brooklyn Warriors, as they're called on Twitter now. Is that what they're called? We have, we have to kind of give some perspective on it. They do have a lot of players. They they I mean, because you guys are kind of forgetting about DeAndre Jordan, too, who's oh, going to be a great defender purposely. and everything like that. But every last one of these additions beyond Harden, they're old. They could be potentially washed up. And I still don't think that that – if the Lakers are healthy, would be enough to beat the Lakers. LeBron James, when he's locked in, it's nobody like him. So it would be interesting if they can make it there. Uh, me personally, I'm all for the new stars. I'd actually rather it be the Clippers versus the Sixers with that storyline going. I- I'm just saying, I mean, hey, you you fired Your Doc grandma's Rick. not too – your granny's not tuned into that feet. one. He, he, he's landed on his feet. You got Kawhi the Claw returning, the true superstar of the NBA – and I just think it's an amazing story as well. Great basketball to be played. Um, but I'm just surprised that nobody's really giving any respect or any chance to the Heat in this. I mean, the Heat are a great team. They are returning everything that they got back from last year, just about, except Myers Leonard for his racial slurs. And you just <laughs> add another perennial all-star ball handler 
and defender to your roster for two seconds, like take a second and really think about that. If that team can gel, and we know the Miami Heat way, grinding opponents out, playing great defense. Bam is super underrated. He can handle all those front court players. That's a really good team. The East is still really loaded. And not to mention P.J. Tucker going from Houston to Milwaukee should also provide them a boost well. So the the East, for once, is super crowded. Like, I think this is going to be some of the best basketball that we've seen in the last decade as far as teams that are super loaded with talent. Denver, they were right on the cusp last year. You get Aaron Gordon. uh, You get – Bobo, he's not playing enough, but you get some of their younger guys getting more time in, getting even better. Uh, the the Joker, Utah's playing well. Portland, I expect them to go on a run eventually. Um, so this is it's going to be some great basketball this year. Uh, as far as the trades are concerned, it wasn't nothing that was like blockbuster that happened to me. It was more so of the the buyout period uh, that kind of made it over the top. Uh, Lamarcus Aldridge being is he thirty four or thirty five? I'm not sure. But that's kind of old in NBA standards. I know he's on a minutes restriction and probably doesn't have a lot of wear and tear because he was from San Antonio. But I don't really expect the guy to have too much of an impact on a series. But, I mean, as soon as the Lakers heal up, and don't get me wrong, I, I don't want to see them win another title. Yes, nigga, I said Bobo. That's my favorite if you follow <laughs> Shout out to the African God. But, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited for this season. Here's why I say, and maybe this is why most people say that the Nets are, to me, favorites to win the East. If the Nets, and I think they've been moving in this direction, can figure out how to, I don't think that, I think Kyrie is your second unit guy. And of course, Blake Griffin and LaMarcus will probably be your second, some some of your second unit guys. So I think it's going to be very difficult for any team, Miami included, with with their defense. Once James Harden, once Kevin Durant get to scoring in bunches, and then you come in with the second unit, and a lot of people forget that every time I, I'm on Twitter all the time, and I'll see people will be like, "Oh, Blake Griffin can shoot now." Yes, Blake Griffin can shoot now. Blake Griffin has been shooting for about three seasons. That's why he's not dunking. <laughs> right, Blake Griffin can dribble his ass off. He's like six ten, amazing ball handler, so he can get you up the floor. And if you're not careful, he'll step back and shoot from beyond the arc. He's got a great mid-range. So I think that they, if they can figure out how to get their additions and their current lineup to work well, the way that they can, they'll be able to score in bunches may be a little bit too overwhelming for a defense to grind it out. I don't think it's impossible, but I think it may be overwhelming. From a story perspective, of course, marketers everywhere are salivating for Nets Lakers. And I think that it would be a pretty some I think a comment just said Lakers in four. I don't really think it'll be Lakers in four. I'd be Lakers in like six. But but I don't think it'll be Lakers in four. What it will be though is a very fun NBA finals. And I don't think we've had a fun NBA finals in a long time. Like I for me anyway, 2016 was the last really fun NBA finals. So I think that we'll we if we get Nets Lakers, we'll get a return to a really fun final series. Yeah, I, I, I want to see the, the narrative on James Harden change in the playoffs this year because the narrative on him is that, you know, he does all this stuff in the regular season, but when it's come playoff time, he chokes, he shrinks in the moment, whatever, whatever. 
it would then what in reality what is happening with James Harden is that he is carrying this team offensively by himself. And he can only do so much. Like maybe he could, you know, maybe skip out on a night on going to the strip club, you know, oh, before never. the game. Oh. But he's still carrying the team and he's still carrying, you know, the Rockets to Eastern or Western Conference Finals or whatever. And, you know, you get, the game gets tight, defense is locked in, you get tired, you can only do so much, and you're by yourself and they expect you to pass it over to Trevor Ariza or P.J. Tucker. It's like, nah, that ain't going to work. So now you're in Brooklyn. Now if you're tired, you can pass it to Kevin Durant. Like, if, we, if, we're, if we're thinking about it, if you think about, like, the top five most unguardable offensive players, James Harden and Kevin Durant are in that top five. Kyrie Irving might also be in that top five. Like James Harden on a fast break, there's no stopping him when he want if he wants to get to the paint in transition, you are not stopping James Harden. And then imagine if he's on a break and he's playing, you know, the a point guard role, he's on a break and there's Kevin Durant on one side or Blake Griffin on the other side, or if Kyrie's handling the ball, again, there's there's Kevin Durant on one side, Blake Griffin on the other side, there's James Harden on one on the in the corner for a three, like there's so many options for this team to kill you offensively. Yes. You will need to set the tone defensively immediately. And by set the tone, I mean you need to punch a nigga in the face as soon yes. as <laughs> jump ball happens and set the tone. Because if you don't, they are going to score 140 points on you in the night. And Ke- Ke- Kevin Durant's a cheat code. He can dribble, he can shoot, he can pass, and he's seven feet. What are you supposed to do? Like we talk about like what LeBron does in the finals. We cannot forget what Kevin Durant does in clutch moments in the finals. Like people say like, oh, he needed to go to the Warriors to win a championship. If Kevin Durant is not on those teams, the Warriors only have one championship. Right. LeBron probably has, instead of four championships, he might have six already. Because the Warriors needed, uh, they needed that nigga. They needed him. Without Kevin Durant, like Steph Curry is great. I love Steph Curry. I think Steph Curry is the best point guard ever. But they still needed a dude that could get a bucket. At any point, an unguardable bucket, and that's what Kevin Durant did. And they needed that dude. So the the matchup outside of Lakers Nets that I'm that I'm more excited to see. I need I need to see Nets Bucks. I need to see Kevin Durant go up against Giannis. I need to see it. I think you might uh, see Giannis uh, shrink in the moment. <laughs> One man, the man. He's a limited player, so <laughs> but yeah. I still but I still want to see because it's almost like. Those are the steps that you have to go through as a player. Like, if you want to be one of the greats, you got to go through some of the greats. And I've, Kevin Durant has already Kevin Durant has already established himself as one of the greats. But I think for Giannis, this is really going to show him, like, hey, what the Bucks have put around me is not good enough. This team isn't good enough. And maybe he might look in the mirror and say, me as a player, I am too limited, and what I'm doing is not good enough. And maybe I'll just go to the Miami Heat. All right. <laughs> Shout, out That's to, for. <laughs> Shout out to the homie uh, Eight Ball, one of my fellow Augustonians in the chat. Gang, gang. Talking, talking some wild shit about uh, <clears throat> some anime. Yu Hakusho is I've been trying trash. to ignore it. I've been trying to ignore it. I, I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm assuming he means that Blake Griffin looks like one of these characters. Uh, fuck. You know what cool I mean? Borrow. Cool totally Borrow. Related to this conversation is that Blake Griffin has two kids. He has Everybody what? Well, uh, I'd be like, damn, Blake Griffin got two kids. Does <laughs> he? Yeah, he has two sons, I believe. Is <laughs> he still with that Kardashian girl? Nah, but yeah. I think I know at least his first son should be like five or six. 
God, it has no. nothing to do with anything. I'd just be forgetting this nigga got kids. <laughs> hey, I respect his uh his privacy. Um, ooh, 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 speaking about kids, which this doesn't have anything to do with kids, kinda, sort of, but uh <sighs> this is this is where we're gonna lose some people, but it is what it is. Up until like last week, I had no idea who this uh, Derek Jackson character was, but he has been <laughs> a, uh, a statuesque figure on my timeline for the last couple of days. And I don't know what he does, but whatever he does, it provides a lifestyle that would allow him and his wife to go on YouTube and embarrass themselves, <sighs> right? The bag that he's getting must be lucrative for his wife to come on YouTube and hold his hand looking like a hostage in her, what is it, a helmet of salvation, right? I don't think he's a Mitch. I think, shout out to Jeff. I don't think he's a Mitch. I think he he's actually tall. I think he played- No, like, that nigga like, like five, seven. Really? No, he's not. What? Hold on, hold he's not that he was a tight end for yeah. Tuskegee. He's not five, seven. Y'all yeah. are tripping. Yeah, I think women are just, hey, let me see. Anywho, so this, this African-American character, yes. It's uh, a relationship. A, a relationship guru was apparently like cl clapping other women's cheeks that weren't his wife and then went on YouTube and did some like faux like confession thing. And then like apparently people were looking at his wife's social media and were like saying like, yeah, I see why he cheated on her because sh she can't dress, right? She has no drip. Her shit. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. It, it, with these YouTube shit, man, I... I can't ever take anything at face value because it's so lucrative that to have these platforms that she might be on it, man. She might be out there, you know what I'm saying, cheating with them. But um, I, as I say, it's man, I don't even shoot. Oh, okay. But yeah, I, please somebody enlighten me on this guy. Again, apparently he's a, a Christian relationship guru that was she and his wife. In the short of it, honestly, that's all I know about him. He's a relationship guru. Um, I think he was one of the originators of the whole black men don't cheat thing with this. Oh, no. That's, oh, that's um, that hurts. That hurts. <laughs> yeah, he had a uh, he's one. He had a hand in that. Um, and so, yeah, he cheated on his wife. I think this is the way she described it, at least, was that he cheated a minute ago. Um, and that they had to come to terms with it in their own relationship. And now they're getting to talk about it. Um, the part that was kind of sad for me was a that he stopped her from doing whatever she was doing in the house to talk about this. I would be so upset if my husband was like, "Yo, come hold my hand while I come tell the whole world I cheated on you," and then you know you just sit here and look pretty. I'm gonna tell everybody that I was unfaithful with many women. But then there was a she had a Facebook, an Instagram post. That kind of seems like a cry for help. And if it wasn't a cry for help, she needs help. Um, where she was like, I would study his uh, sex tapes with these other women. Whoa, wait a second. Yeah, she was like, where's the link for this? Why he was attracted to these women. Like, what did she do differently? I did. It got really graphic for a moment. He was like, She was like, these other women were so pretty and dark skinned and this and that. And I'm like, I, it feels, and this could be me, you know, completely being an armchair, you know, psychologist. It seems as if he chose a woman that was already insecure 
so that he could go out and do these things. And then that only made her more insecure because she was on Instagram dressed like Al Sharpton. I don't know why she had the goddamn criminal dollar ass suit on, but she did. And so, and so like she already, it seemed as if she already had a complex and then he just kind of continued this by cheating. And not only did this nigga have this confession video, he did a reaction to I his saw, confession video. That, that is the nastiest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you are an evil villain. You are a villain. Why? <laughs> Why would you embarrass not only your wife or your you're you're embarrassing yourself? Like you're doing the reaction video to the video that you and your wife did, admitting to your infidelity, thinking it's funny. Like you, th- th- this this man is lost in the internet. He's lost to the internet. Like he's the YouTube money is out of control. The Twitter he's gaining like thirty three hundred thousand followers or something like that. Like he is just lost. To the point where you are taking, like, I don't know what the worst moment in a marriage is. I guess it would be ending depending on, like, how the marriage is going. But one of the worst things that can happen in a marriage is someone cheating. And you decided, instead of, like, just logging off, because that's an option, guys. You can just log off. You don't have to share with – you ain't got to share everything with everybody. So instead of just logging off, you decided, hey, I'm going to make it – you know what? I bet the people on the internet will think this is funny. I'm going to make fun of myself of me uh, cheating on my wife because it's hilarious. Like, bruh, log on. He needs to, he needs to go outside. Go outside, please. It, and so, like, she's still with your mask on. She's still going and like she posts maybe like four or five times a day. It's not cheating. Uh, of just like I don't know. I I I hate him, and I don't like to say that I hate people, but he's annoying. Um, and I just more than anything, I pray for her. She seems, and this is a larger conversation that I won't dive too deep into, but uh, if anybody's been part of the black church at any point, there's a real huge emphasis on making sure that women um don't feel empowered in like their their looks or like their sexuality or even feel able to get out of these types of relationships or else you're defiled yourself and you're dirty. And I just want her and other women like her to kind of be loose from those ideals. Like you can absolutely, absolutely find yourself attractive. You don't need this man to affirm you. Um, if he cheated, girl, that I don't have nothing to do with you. That's all on him. And you don't have to keep coming and explaining to us why you have on a bonnet that is spiritual warfare. Like, girl, you just got on a bonnet. I just, I hope that she is able to find some part of herself deep down in there and you know get out of the sucker place because she's deep in it so i saw a tweet from a person that said derrick jackson has gained two hundred thousand followers in a day men rarely face consequences his wife is getting ate up and he's getting more famous and my thought to that was like i feel like it wasn't two hundred thousand men that followed derrick jackson in a day if oh, i were to guess I, I feel like it was probably a lot of women that followed that because I, I mean like i said i never heard about this guy obviously he's down to cheat Clearly, that's, that's clearly right. the DMs are not closed. <laughs> okay, so let me say my piece first. Um, a very, 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 very old guest that we had on this podcast. Um, what was his name? He, he was a rapper. Uh, he's friends with the Reduced Lunch podcast. We had him on. I forgot his name. Jimmy. Oh, oh, oh a homie, a homie. Uh, 
forgot his name. I, I'm friends with him. Yeah. He was the first person I ever knew about this person because he has some sort of a, a warfare going on with this dude. And it would have been great that like him and this dude have exchanged personal messages with one another. So that's how I was introduced to Derek Jackson. Um, for the fact checkers out here, Derek Jackson is six foot five inches tall. He's not five foot six inches tall. He's wow. worth $1.3 million. I have played his card game, which I will say I didn't buy, but it actually was pretty fun. Card um, just game? Play. Yeah, he has like card games, books, stuff like that. It's like a relationship card game of some sort. Uh, this lady brought it to like this little thing we had one time. And I played it. It was pretty fun. I didn't know it was his or whatnot. But um, basically, he takes advantage of people. Um, and tries to tell you, hey, crown yourself king, crown yourself queen, how to heal from heartbreak, uh, the cheating man's guide to yada, yada, yada. So he, and, and obviously with that book, he was talking about himself because he's a cheater. But at the end of the day, this is his personal life. That's his marriage. I'm going to be honest with you. If you're a guy that came from Planet Tuskegee, to having 500, I mean, 5 million followers across your entire landscape of your social media, there probably is going to be some opportunities to cheat. Uh, when he first did cheat with the person he said he was with, he claimed that him and his wife were separated. Um, that's not saying they were legally separated, but hey, we don't know. You know, it, it's not any of our business to kind of partake in. Uh, and I mean, if they were separated, I don't agree. I feel like you need to wait until you're divorced before you step out. He could have been lying. I don't know. But to me, that's a wild risk to take when your whole platform and everything you're built off of is being a God-fearing, respectable, church-going black man. And you will go out here and be chasing the buns. Um, as far as the people that are making fun of the way his wife dressed, you know what? At the end of the day, she has some big old hips. Some big old oh, nips. So I'm sure, you know. Girl. Yeah, she, she's a very attractive girl. Oh, yeah. People, first of all, it was a hat and a damn bonnet. So let's get that out of the way. But people, they, they're going to get the jokes off regardless. They're yeah, going to talk their noise. Yeah. They'll say what they need to say. And it kind of is what it is. I mean, I hope for the best for them. To me, the review in your own video. That is, so wild. that is wild. Like, that, when I seen that, I was like, "Really, dude? Like you, you take your own video and do a reaction video to your video? Like this dude is toying with us." Sure. And I mean, twenty thousand new followers and a new book that's being released as well. It was released earlier in this month. It all seems like it's a ploy, and it was planned uh, for him to even cash in more of the bag. So, you know. Thank y'all for supporting that nigga. Maybe I should cheat on my girl and this podcast will blow up. We'll see. Well, and I, I wanted to touch on what Adolphus was saying as far as the whole, like, wherever he came from to, like, blowing up to having, I guess he's he has 5 million followers. I didn't know he had that. Yeah, across the whole platform. So. Okay, yeah, across, like, IG, YouTube, and Twitter. So, and now you've, you've reached a level where now you have a certain type of woman entering your DMs now, right? To some of the women that you're not really used to. And that, that goes back to like what Chris Rock said, where a man is only as faithful as his options. So like when you when you when you was just like you wasn't popping, like your wife loved you, and that's cool, you're good with that. But now you got five million followers. Now you got verified Instagram models in your DMs. 
I'm not saying that you should cheat. I'm just saying I understand that it's a little bit harder to stay faithful. And this goes this goes for like a lot of people. Like I'm surprised and, and I don't believe it. But as far as we know, I am very surprised that LeBron James has not stepped out on his wife. No, nope. that is crazy to think that LeBron James with the type Three of women letters N D A. The type of the type of or women murder squad. Like, the type of women that are that into your DMs when you reach a certain you know status, it's a lot tougher. And it's like like when you're when you're like you know a, a cashier at Publix or you know a, a, a truck driver for UPS, yeah, you might yeah the, the lady that's on your route might hit on you like the the housewife that orders something from Amazon every day. She might hit on you a little bit, but when you're like the you know the starting shooting guard for the Utah Jazz. Now, whenever you come into another city, you go to the club, everybody knows. Everybody wants you. Now, you're fighting off more women than you've, like, the most beautiful women in the world are trying to come at you. So it's a little bit tougher. So you I, know, and I just sent the uh, the pictures of Mrs. Candace Day Medorias. I wish El Chapo was here because I'm not good with the Spanish names. But yeah, <laughs> but uh, you you know, no offense to his wife, who's a very pretty lady oh, for your um, average guy. This is a good. That's a good segue into this though, because I found the Instagram post I was talking about. I'm just gonna read a portion of it because this is really long. But she said, um, "Fast forward to a woman who attended college with me, someone I've seen naked, penetrated, soaking, moaning, and more. This is graphic." I hated the woman, but I also desperately wanted to be like her because it felt like she had something I wanted. Once my eyes were open to this part of her, I studied everything about her. It came down to me knowing her bra size, her waist size, and how she liked to be stimulated during the act. <laughs> and it gets a little bit more graphic from there. But it's like, obviously, and the way you guys just react, I've never seen this lady, but obviously, there he had to have known that she had these he either it makes me feel like sometimes that he may be settled for her and he just goes after for what what he really wants. I don't know. It just obviously this whole ordeal has kind of made her feel away and I just hope that she can get the help she needs off of Instagram. Yeah, DM me that link, but that's that's some wild shit. Back to the LeBron thing, but yeah, I mean, again, LeBron had what two kids for quite I didn't know LeBron had kids for a little while when he was in Miami, but he wasn't married, so that that kind of that kind of tells you what you need to know. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. because again, it's different getting caught up being married to LeBron James versus you being the baby's mother. So, but eventually he got married. So I probably once he got it all out of his system, he's like, all right, let's <laughs> time. To, that's that's, that's the only things that he's done. But you can't oh yeah, some DMs, yeah, and then you know the whole you know we all know that his his real wife Beyonce, it, you know she keeps it quiet. You know what I'm saying to keep the family intact. So. I'm, I also like how Rihanna follows him everywhere. Like you can see Rihanna in a Cleveland Cavaliers jersey, a Miami Heat jersey, and now a Lakers jersey. I like how Rihanna like is bold with like I'm a LeBron fan. I don't care about none of these teams. I like LeBron, and that's it. You can suck my, my dick. Well, <laughs> I that's think she how, said that. She's a faithful side piece. Like I said, his wife keeps <laughs> low, and then he's got his baby's mother. Like I respect that they keep all their family business separated. He compartmentalizes everything. That's there should be a thirty for thirty on just LeBron keeping it together. I'm, I'm I'm sure they have shows like this, like like kind of like on a lower level. 
but I would love to have like to just be a fly on the wall for like the women of super famous men that have women throwing themselves at them. Like to just have that kind of conversation where it's like like LeBron's wife or who's another guy uh, that's young. Steph and, Curry. Nah, that's well, Steph, Steph Curry. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure Steph Curry gets some crazy DMs, but it's not like on a LeBron level or uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you're tripping. You think so? Yes. Hey, Kirk Curry runs this town. Let, let that be <laughs> the light skin God. <laughs> okay, okay, hey, hey, okay, hey, okay. So I'd like to talk to like Patrick Mahomes' wife. I'd like to I see how she seems she very annoying. But... Have you seen her? She I've got. He's shaking in her boots every day. Well, but got, I don't, you know, baby, I don't think so. First, I don't think so because, hey, have you seen Patrick Mahomes' dress? I mean, you can, you can change second, it. Second, he puts, like, ketchup on his steak. So, I'm right, not, right. I, yeah, he, he's not going anywhere. Got he's locked in. But the thing, is, the thing is, it's just like, like, we all kind of, like, no one saw the Tiger Woods thing happening, right? Like, no, like, we were all surprised that Tiger Woods was out here getting cheeks like that. And then you know he was Dude, that's a nasty nigga. <laughs> he was sick. That man was sick. I'm still tripping off the Perkins lady. Like she wasn't even bad, dog. Like, Yo, lady, come here too, man. <laughs> Your wife, come here. And again, in the in the spirit of El Chop, I'm not shaming these women. I know it takes <laughs> tangle, but I'm just looking at the perspective of a billionaire, like fiending over like sweaty Perkins cheeks, bro. Like, oh man, like, ugh. No, I get the I get the Vegas like escorts. That's different, like because you're getting the baddest of the baddest. But like the Perkins waitress, like that that still blows my mind. <laughs> that that probably is more disrespectful than the Vegas choice. Because in my head, I honestly think that his wife knew about the Vegas thing. Because you don't just go to Vegas all the time for no reason. You know what I'm saying? Like that doesn't that just doesn't make any sense. But yeah, he got caught up, man. Hey, let me ask a question. Isn't that versus tonight? There's a versus. With the Osley brothers and Easter Sunday, so not this coming Sunday. Oh, okay, my bad. My bad. I have a question for that versus: Are all the members of both groups alive still? Because them them dudes kind of. I'm pretty sure someone from Earth went and fire passed away. I'm gonna say I think maybe one of the Earths died. I don't know, but yes, not everybody. I think we might be uh, short wind on that one. (laughs) Yeah, that's 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 all. There's a lot of capping for this versus, but it is what it is. I no, kind of, I kind of gave up on the the versus thing, but it is what it is. But anywho, this is actually a perfect segue into the 17th year anniversary of what Marcus would argue is the, one of the best RB albums of all time is Usher's Confessions. Um, I tweeted out what is the best song from Confessions. I got some intro. I got a lot of different responses, but um, the only right response is seduction, but yes, I will let you guys. The best song on Confessions. Seduction. Let's get let's get Ref's take on the 17 year anniversary of Ursher's Confessions. All right. While I look at Confessions track list, um, I will. I gotta say that I I still remember where I was where I heard when I heard a lot of Confessions. I went to a mostly black summer camp. And we would watch BET as like some of our like cool down times. So that is also the place where I was introduced to Pretty Ricky. Um, mm, interesting. Oh, you say that. Like, hold on to that thought. Hold yeah. on to that thought. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would agree. Um, uh, Confessions is it's hit after hit. Like 
Yeah is on this album. Confessions True. Part 2. Burn is on this album. Caught Up, which I think is my personal favorite from the album. Um, Bad Girl, which had a performance with Beyonce in it. Can You Handle It? it had like an on the expanded edition. I think My Boo might have been on the expanded edition. Like this, this whole album is nothing but bops, if we're being honest. Usher, Usher, I think, doesn't get the love that he needs. Um, so he got a bunch of bad albums afterward, but continue. That's true. He started doing this, like, you know, uh, weird pop, yeah, yeah he was, you know, trying to dance with the pop kids. Um, I can't even see the original uh, Confessions. I only see the expanded version. So I would say you said the best song, at least to me, I will say my personal favorite is Caught Up, but I think the best song might be Burn. I'm going to go with Burn. Okay, so this is the point where this podcast goes left. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, R. No. Kelly has four oh. albums that are the best R&B albums of all time. Oh, I pretend I just, just You know, I understand we're not supposed to be listening to him because of his lewd and lascivious acts, <laughs> but let's not cap here. Man, no, no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Don't 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 misrepresent what I said. I said like I when I when I talk about R and B in this kinds of discussions, I always say except R Kelly. Like I always put that okay, in there. Okay. Like because like R like we we R Kelly is untouchable. Honestly, he's probably the goat in a lot of areas. So like. <sighs> I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that it, like Usher has a better like I'd never say that like I don't listen to R. Kelly but I'm not going to sit here and lie and say like you know Usher is better than R. Kelly I, I won't, I'm not going to say that I, I think I want the I Wish remix played at my funeral dog he said I'm gonna take that out of this song to the grave. play on play on <laughs> the best song on that album to me That's though is is superstar like I like the Great way that it's on that song. It it is just it it puts a smile on my face. Like <sighs> there's been plenty of women that I have laid down. <laughs> I can't do it, but you know the you know the, you're just landing, you're looking all seductive. You got the baby oil popping. You got the uh, coffee flavored, coffee flavored lubricant. If you like that. coffee flavored, that is sick. Coffee flavored lube is for niggas forty five and up. Oh my god, coffee flavored. Yeah, you are sick. You're sick. You, need to, you know, you gotta get that little spark in there. You get your caffeine going. Get your blood sugar pumping. Get the heart. Moving that but, man was dropping a 45 year old dick in high school. Hey, <laughs> that song is it's just, just it's, it's magical, man. I'll be your superstar. I love that song. Like it, it is that's probably one of my favorite RB tracks of all time. Like definitely in my top 10. Oh uh, I'm definitely not going to prison for that comment because oh my god, boy, that out. is sick. That's but sick, yeah, man. that is my favorite song on it. That is a really, oh, really, man. really tough, hard album. And Usher definitely to me doesn't get the level of respect that he deserves. I mean, this dude from the mid-90s teaming up with Sean P. Diddy Combs or Puff Daddy at the time. Um, and he had tracks even back then on the actual Usher album 
to uh, the second album, 8701, has a lot of heat on Classic it, too. Classic songs on that. Yes, and I mean, he, you know, he he has consistently put out good work until he changed to that trap stuff. And this was the pinnacle. Like, this, I remember where I was when my boo came out, and everybody was booed up. It was right before I fought Terrell, because that was part of the wow, reason. Why are you putting that man's government? <laughs> We're friends now. That's all good. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it's a thousand uh, million. Shout out to Light Terrell. Shout out to Light Well, never mind. I just, yeah, shout out to Light Brownish Green, Green Eye Gang. It's just cow. during those times, man, you couldn't go anywhere, you know having your little boo and I, I know your little boo and I know your song for her was probably my boo on, on our little Nokia. You had the little eggshell Nokia. It was everybody's song. It was everybody's song though. Yeah every everybody loved that song. Like and I just feel like a lot of people really sleep on Usher but that Confessions was a hot album and Superstar <clears throat> is my favorite song. Well, I feel like this album means a lot more to people our age because this came out when we were in high school. So, like, when you're in high school, that's kind of when you're, like, determining, like, yeah, what, I mean, not you, obviously, because you're, uh, whatever, because we're old. Oh, no, I was, like, nine. <laughs> no, you, oh, my God. I feel so old now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But, um, yeah, so when you're, like, in high school, that's kind of when you kind of determine, like, Okay, what do I like in music? What's my style? What am I into? This is really going to determine what I like, you know, going forward. And uh, I think Confessions, like like uh, Adolfo said, I think it's one of the greatest R&B albums ever. I would put it in my top five. I'm not the biggest R&B guy, but Confessions, top five, like track by track, feature, writing, production. There, There's no skips on this album, not a single one. And you can't say that for a lot of albums. This is one of those albums that, I mean, it, it came out 17 years ago. And 17 years ago, it did a million in a week. And this is before streaming. This is before iTunes. This is when you had to go to the Best Buy or go to FYE and buy the seed, the physical CD for it to count. Like, you couldn't just stream this stuff. Like, you, you just can't run up the numbers. Like, the song, yeah. That song was everywhere. Every time you went to a club, every time you went to a dance, whenever you turned on the radio, you heard this song. Whenever you, and I know a lot of people listening to this won't understand the concept of coming home from school and watching like 106 and Park mm -hmm. and TRL. But yeah, was number one all the time. It was always, it's constantly in rotation. And you and you think about like, okay, so could a song, could an album? Like confessions, if it was dropped in 2021, would it would it work? Would it last? And you look at a song like, yeah, that I, I and I want someone to do. I'm going to challenge someone. If you if you're one of the TikTokers, do something with yeah, because I bet you could. I bet you could come up with a dance or whatever they're doing on TikTok, and yeah, would work because it's one of those singles that when they put this album together, when Usher did his album, he had it done. He had it pretty much done, and he turned it in. And I think it was L.A. Reid. He was like, hey, I, I, it's missing something. I need something else. And Usher went back to the drawing board. He hit up uh, Lil John and Ludacris, and they got together, and they came up with, yeah, and this is literally just a hit. Like, hey, we need a hit. Here it is. This is how we're going to start the album off. We're going to give them this club banger, and then we're going to get in our feelings for the rest of this album. 
But can I ask you a quick question? Which, if you know, which came first, Lovers and Friends or Yeah? I was actually about to yeah. look that up. I, I believe it's, I think it's Yeah. I think Yeah oh, came okay. out first. Me too. Um, yeah, I think that first time. Because Usher, John, and Luda had to do it again. So right. yeah, yeah, it came out first. You're right. Okay. But also, also when you think about Confessions, like this was back when he was like with uh, Chili from TLC. So there was a lot of like outside stuff that was going on, like relationship wise. Mm. So for for like our generation, you might be able to make the argument, and this isn't like the first time anybody's ever done a relationship album. But this, you could make the argument that Confessions is our generation's lemonade, as far as talking about like your relationship, putting the stuff in public, being vulnerable, talking about the things that you did wrong because we don't we don't really get that a lot from our male artists especially our r&b artists anymore like i i don't know what like chris brown is doing i don't know what, what the weekend is doing or bryson tiller even lucky day like they're doing good music but no one is getting on a record and saying you know i have to tell you the woman that i love that I'm having a baby by a woman that I barely even know. That shit is deep. That is some vulnerability that you are not getting and you will never probably get from another artist ever. Because who wants to admit that? Who wants to admit the things that you did wrong? Like, like oh, I, I was out here in LA wilding out. I didn't think I'd get caught up. Nothing. Like, I, I was just out here doing my own thing because I'm Usher. Like, I got money. I got you know, uh, notoriety. I'm famous. I can get any woman I want to out here and you ain't going to like, what are you going to do? And this kind of ties into that dude we were talking about. You get more followers, you get more famous, you get more whatever. Now you get more access to things and now you just feel like you're untouchable and I can do whatever I want. And now you get dropped down a peg because now you got a kid on the way and she clearly ain't giving that kid up. She ain't getting rid of Usher's baby. So now you're stuck. And so this this album is it's damn near perfect, damn near perfect. Yeah, I was gonna say that's one of the one of the first big like cultural moments I think I remember, like the breakup of Usher and Chili. I think that's probably one of the for the first times that I've um, like been invested in a celebrity's life. Yeah. Um, and then with the album in conjunction, I was like, oh. Again, I was like nine or ten, so this didn't really like personally. That's wild to me. Please stop saying that. <laughs> it didn't like it didn't stop me in my tracks, but it was a moment for me to be like, oh, okay, all right. I think Confessions, like I said, Confessions is probably one of the first albums I remember. Um, it was probably one of the first ones that I ever uh, bootlegged because my parents is not about to buy me Usher's Confessions album. Uh, uh, I remember seeing the caught up video on MTV in the mornings a lot and learning the choreography from that. So like confessions, when I think about it, confessions made like a huge stamp on like my personal uh, childhood. I can still go back to confessions and it'd be a banger. Like I can still listen to it from top to bottom. After every breakup, after every breakup, I have to play burn if they did me wrong or confessions if I did them wrong. This is that Usher was so fired during this time that he had a whole boondocks episode about him. Exactly. About him. <laughs> like it was a, it was it was in our lexicon. It was a thing where like we knew what that meant. 
You know what I'm saying? Like letting it burn. Like that was that was, uh, well, you give credit to Jermaine Dupree about that, but yeah, this was a this was one this was the biggest album of that year. And I I I I'm going to look it up at some point, but I'm willing to bet that this album did not win uh album of the year, and it probably should have, because this album was everywhere. It was it was everywhere in a time where you couldn't just force certain songs to be hits. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it was a hit because it was a hit. Burn was a hit because it was a hit, not a hit, but it was a great song because it was a great song. Like Superstar, that's what it's made for. Can you handle it? My boo. Like all these songs are great because they're great. It, they weren't forced upon us. You can listen. You can listen to. You can give this album to someone who's never heard of it. I'm sure there's someone out there who hasn't heard this album. You tell them like, "Hey, what do you think of this project? Is this good?" They will like. No one's going to listen to this and say, "Oh, this isn't great." The writing isn't impressive. The production isn't great. Even the features, like I'm not even a big, I'm not even a big Jadakiss guy. But the Jadakiss feature, the Jadakiss feature works. It works. It's the goat. He did get album of the year that year, but he did. He's nominated for eight Grammys. He won three: best contemporary R&B album, best R&B performance by a duo, which was for My Boo, and then best rap sung collaboration for Yeah. So he got three Grammys off that album. Real quick, there is a skip. Truth Hurts is a skip to me. Um, and then also, I forgot the Seduction is on the Lux album. So if I were to pick my favorite song, um, I would probably say, I'd probably say like Follow Me. I like Follow Me a lot. Follow me. Well, but, it, for as far as the Grammys, the albums that were nominated for Album of the Year at that point, was College Dropout, uh, Confessions, The Diary of Alicia Keys, American Idiot, Idiot by Green Day, and Genius Loves Company uh, won uh, album of the year. That's a Ray Charles um, album. He had so, died that too, though, so. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's that's like that whole Nas and Freddie Gibbs thing. It's like, if you lose Ray Charles, like, okay, like, I get that. I'm sure Kanye West isn't trying to hear that. I'm sure Kanye wanted that one, but, I mean. You yeah. can take that out, but like, li- li- like, there's like, you listen to certain albums, and there are certain songs that have like an impact on your life, like forever. So back when this album came out, is when I started getting cheeks, right? So the song <laughs> that I this <laughs> this album, I pretty much like lost my virginity to. <laughs> so <laughs> so the song, um, can you handle it? Is one of the best, arguably the greatest, like raw sex lovemaking song ever made. It's like in the top five for sure. But like, I can't listen to that song anymore because it's like, uh, yeah, there's just certain memories that come back when I listen to that song, particularly. So I don't really listen to it that much anymore, but it's still a great song. Can you handle it? Is a uh, that's a that's a Hennessy Night song. (laughs) We we need (laughs) it. We're, we're gonna have to punt our pretty Ricky uh chat because I, I would argue pretty Ricky is probably up there in the in the pantheon of great RB. Let me tell you, when I first saw Pretty Ricky on that television, my life changed. Said, yeah, you know what? look like this. Yeah, we need to do a pretty Ricky episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Because at the time I didn't respect it as much. It's the same with this confessions album as I do now looking back on it, like their impact. 
they had the R&B game on lock. This album had the R&B game on lock as well. So, But I thought Pretty Ricky was 05, right? And this came out in 04. They're, they're about the same time period. Was, but, they're like concurrent summers. <laughs> yes, the, the light-skinned, dirty Negro Avengers. But um, real quick, I got to run in a minute to go cook. But uh, if you haven't been keeping up with the nonsense that's going on in Georgia with Senate Bill 202, uh, yeah, just Google Jim Crow and then look up the uh, Senate Bill 202. It's trash. Uh, they're pretty much trying to restrict black and brown people from voting because uh, people still believe after counting the votes in Georgia, not one time, not twice, but three times that there was still voter fraud going on due to the perpetuated big lie from 45. And shout out this episode is 45. So this is the uh, the 45 edition shout out to John Lovable. But yeah, they're doing everything in their power to restrict the power and the opportunity for black and brown voters to exercise their right to participate in democracy, which is ridiculous because voting should be something that should be easy to do, not hard. One of the rules they have proposed is that it'll be a crime to give people in line food and water while they're waiting to vote. And if you haven't seen from like last year, some of the voting lines in these small places, because they close them down in areas with black and brown people, can take hours to vote. So now not only are you discouraging people to vote by keeping them in line for hours, now you can't get, even get food or water. Like, God forbid you go to the bathroom. That might be a crime, too. So definitely keep up with that if you're out there in Georgia. You know, don't let this election be the end-all, be-all. Keep fighting the good fight. Keep voting. Keep uh, holding the politicians accountable. And uh, shout-out to y'all for listening. I'm out. Y'all can wrap it up. Peace. We are not going to wrap it up. This is going to be a two-hour-long podcast, so we're locking in, guys. And we got Get two, we're almost there. 20 minutes. You can make it, too. Well, the, okay, so... Unless anybody's does anybody, anybody got anything else on confessions they want to add? Shout out to Usher. I wanted to really anger, but that was it. Okay, so one thing I kind of wanted to touch on is kind of uh like I want to say it's like messy, but it's kind of a messy situation that's going on with the uh, Deshaun Watson and all the things that are happening with him as far as uh allegations and civil lawsuits and um you know a possible smear campaign or, or whatnot. There there's certain things that I'm I'm starting to see happen around his situation. Um a, a, a fond of when it comes to these kinds of things, like when it comes to like, you know, sexual assault, you know, possible rape, um, um harassment, things of that nature. So if you if you if you don't know what's going on with Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, apparently like fourteen women have eight ball. You are a nasty nigga. Oh my god! But uh, there's there's like fourteen women have like uh, filed a lawsuit, civil lawsuit against Deshaun Watson for like sexual harassment. Uh, some of them work at like massage parlors, saying that he's you know going too far with certain things, asking for things that they don't provide, um, you know, things of that nature. So it's it's messy when stuff like this happens. It it's it gets messy on Twitter, it gets messy on the timeline, gets messy wherever, you know, uh, it whenever it comes to talking about this. The thing that I don't like that I'm starting to see is is the people that are putting out like um that are out here blindly defending Deshaun Watson. And I'm not saying that he's guilty, I'm not saying that he's innocent, I'm just looking at what's being said, you know. I just I'm observing it and I'm just like 
that's some crazy shit, but it is what it is at this point. We'll we'll see, you know, what happens once we start getting some more facts to roll in. But uh, I'm seeing a lot of, and it's mostly guys that are doing this, and they're like, one, one I, I wish I had their Twitter account, but he posted a picture of Deshaun Watson's girlfriend or his wife or whoever, the woman that he's with. He posted a picture of her. Beautiful woman, looks like a supermodel, whatever. And he was just like, this is Deshaun Watson's girlfriend. You think he has to go out there and rape women? You think he has to go out there and sexually assault women when he's got this at home? And this isn't really just specifically about Deshaun Watson. It's just the idea that we as a society, we as a culture, don't really understand what like sexual assault and sexual harassment is about. And even and he hasn't been accused of rape, but even with rape, those things, that's not about it's not about sex. It's not about you know taking something from someone that you're attractive to attracted to it's about the power to be able to do that it doesn't matter who it is it doesn't matter what they look like it doesn't matter what you have at home it's the idea of like i i get i get i get turned on by being able to take from something from you that you don't want to give me and that's what it is and this is i'm not i'm not talking about deshaun watson i'm just talking about what it is when it comes to sexual harassment sexual assaults things of that nature like it doesn't matter what you got at home. And I also don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's like smart or even wise to just jump in front of some of these people to be like, oh, he would never do that. Right. He would never do so. You don't know this man. You like, we don't know these people. Like a lot of people, you know, came to Derrick Rose's defense when he got uh, sued. A lot of people came to R. Kelly's defense. A lot of people came to Bill Cosby's defense. I watched a uh, HBO documentary on um, Woody Allen. People came to his defense. You, we don't know these people at all. So the idea that you just you can just blindly come out here and just like, yo, Deshaun Watson, they do that. I, he's a quarterback for my favorite team. He would never do something like that. So it's just we we just got to be a little bit more more careful about how we talk about um, sexual assault and. Um, accusations, accusers, civil suits, criminal cases. I mean, I just like some of that stuff doesn't need to be on Twitter, honestly, but it, it, it does kind of help to have these conversations, I think. Yeah, I agree. And um, I think that's where sometimes you have to draw the line as being a fan of certain people, because it's like we almost make people that we cheer for bulletproof. Um, it's no way this guy's rich. He can't do that. This guy's my favorite player. He's a stand-up person in this scenario. But like you said, a lot of the times it could be a position of power. Like, you know, I, I, I'm i Deshaun Watson. I have the power to do whatever I want to do. If I pay you extra, you a massage parlor person, you need to service me in the way that I can. You can't um, tell me no. Isn't right. Now, the other thing that I don't like about these scenarios is when it comes to the the court of public opinion, he'll never live this down regardless. I mean, whether it's the people fighting for him or the people fighting against him. Um, I, I even look at, you know, and I hate to bring his name up because he's no longer with us, but even Kobe Bryant, I, I can recall when he did pass away last year, people were bringing up his allegations even after the fact for saying that he's not a good person or he deserved his fate because of this. Um, I just wanted to touch on that really quick before I go right back. But 
that's why typically I have my beliefs, but I don't really share a lot of that on Twitter sometimes because you don't want to, we don't know the entire thing that happened. We're not privy to that information. We weren't in those massage parlors or anything like that. And we don't know where his mindset is. So I usually try to avoid it because you don't want to come across as someone trying to fight that battle. And then it's actually a losing battle. And this person's actually wrong for the things that he's done. So with any of them, I mean, even from the Robert Kraft situation, I believe that one was on tape. Same significance. Like, I, I just try not to comment on those types of things until we get every ounce of information out. And then it's still not enough because, like, like you said, I mean, I'll admit, in my younger days, I probably did some things that were on the cusp of being some assault, just being honest. And some of the stuff is just the type of culture, being a, a young athlete that you may be, you know, just privy to. Like you might be in situations and you just take advantage of those situations. Not saying there was a no or yes situation, but, you know, you do certain things and, and you, you regret it looking back because I, I look at some of the stuff and I'm like, wow, you know, I was using, even though my power is insignificant compared to the star quarterback of the high school team, the college player, uh, the pro player, definitely. But you could be put in those situations, you know, and not making any excuse for them once again. But I've seen some crazy things happen before, you know, and it's a whole guys being guys culture um, that happens. I mean, even guys with other guys, I've seen some, pretty questionable things happen to other guys, hazing and stuff like that. But we dismiss it as, oh, well, it's just so-and-so being so-and-so. So like I said, just without going into my own personal life, refrain from commenting on the situation, whether you're defending him or you're against him, until you truly know all the information. I thought knowing what we kind of know, like, okay, 14 women is a lot. That, that's that's a whole lot of people. So either this is truly a smear campaign or this brother really does have a problem. And whatever the case may be, you know, I hope he does have a problem. He, he gets some help for it because, you know, that's just not the way to, to go about treating women. And I know in a small way we have these fantasies, you know, having sex in the dressing room of a store or the massage parlor or different things like that, you know, offering them the happy ending. I know people that have talked about these things, but indeed these people are professionals. They're paid to do a job and they're not paid to get, they're not paid to be forced to give you a happy ending. So, you know, just be cognizant of what's going on. I just totally. And um, like I said, hopefully if the brother did do it, he, you know, gets the help that he needs. And I mean, if not, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of see. I think that this is um, a beyond Deshaun Watson because we don't know. So to kind of jump off of his specific, you know, details, I think this is a really good opportunity for people to kind of uh, discuss assault that involves co coercion 
Um, not all sexual assault is as black and white as I said no when they continued. Um, I would say a lot of it is based in like power imbalances and coercion. So if you are a massage artist who is directly responsible for providing Deshaun Watson, star quarterback of the Houston Texans, uh, NFL golden boy, if you are a person that is responsible for giving him a service and he, without explicitly saying it, or even if he does explicitly say it, attempts to coerce you or anybody within a position of power, attempts you to attempts to coerce you into doing something that you're not uh, completely comfortable with, you now have to, and then it, you, maybe you participate or you don't, but you don't say anything. And then you come up out and talk about it later. There absolutely becomes this, well, why did you do it? type thing and it's like well i don't know if you understand like power imbalance roddy white came out for no reason nobody was talking to roddy white nobody rung his bell at his shoulder for comments but he had um a a, a tweet that was uh, to the effect of there's no way you can force someone to give you oral sex and it's like well you're like six foot plus and a very large man there may be no way that somebody could force you but I think for a smaller woman or a woman in general who is faced with this ultimatum of do I uh, go against this person and potentially lose a clientele as a whole or do I go through with this thing and just feel awful about myself and keep it to myself ultimately? Um, I don't know. There, it, it's a definitely an opportunity to talk about coercion when it comes to, to sexual assault and also just, again, to hammer in the concept of consent. If there is not a clear and present yes, don't look for the no. You need to look for a clear and present yes, I would like to do this thing with you in order to have consent. Because I think a lot of us get into gray areas of what we can and cannot do with people uh, and trying to kind of have this idea of implied consent. Consent is not implied. It's either a yes or nothing. So. Uh, we should have these conversations more often. And I, I remember the uh, the Derrick Rose case. Like he was he was on record saying like, "Oh, I don't I don't know what consent means. I don't I don't understand what that is." And it's just like you're. I mean, it's different. I, I don't want to say it's different, but there's a lot of people who don't understand what that is. And even with, um, not even just the Sean Watson's case, but any case where us as men. We don't want to uh, blast these guys or like you know, you know, make them look guilty because it might make us have to reevaluate what we've done in, in the in the past. <clears throat> in the past, like, okay, so coercion, like you know, so if you're a guy in college, maybe you're just like, or you say you're a grown man now, but like back in your college days when you're trying to hook up with girls, you're like, all right. Let me see if she wants to come home with me. All right, she's not really feeling it. Let me buy her some drinks. She's kind of warming up, but not really. Let me just keep buying her drinks. So now you're that guy who buys, who has to get women obliterated for them to come home with you. You know what I'm saying? And now as an adult, you look back on that and you're like, am I a rapist? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, or even, even just to a smaller point, the if a girl lets it be known that they like you, and you know you're constantly pressuring her to do things even if you know 
like I, I never really had to face that, but I'm like, wow, you know, I, I had to look in the mirror. Like I've done that plenty of times. Like somebody say they show interest, pressure, 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 pressure until they break. Even though they did give consent per se, but sometimes, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a really gray area that now looking back on it as a grown man with sisters, with, things like that. I'm like, wow, I, I wouldn't want anyone to be in a situation like that, you know, riding in a car with me and so-and-so, and we're putting intense pressure on you to do this because you like me and you need to show me that you like me. And I mean, even for women too, I, I can speak a little bit for women. There's, um, just the, again, this, this, uh, thought of like implied consent that just because a person is who they are, to you that you have some type of access to their body. Like Megan Thee Stallion talked about this very briefly a year or two ago where she was like, you know, you don't get to touch me. Like just because Shorty is twerking on stage, like she give you access to see that you don't have access to like put your hand on her ass while she dancing. That's a little, you know, like that's, you don't have that right. If you're in a relationship or in some type of situationship, I, it might sound goofy in your head to ask a person like, can I touch you? But you really do need to have that type of perimeter. Like what if that person isn't into it, but because you are who you are to them, they feel a little bit coerced into this action. So I, I definitely think that like these type of situations shed light on just how much we as a society have no clue how to interact with each other properly. And I, I think it, it also falls on uh, us guys. We, or us straight guys like we don't we don't really understand what it's like to be women in certain situations like if i like i'm a dude right if a woman offers me a ride home cool at like a ride home at night i'm not thinking nothing of it if she's trying to push up on me and i'm not interested whatever like but on the flip side if a woman is like you know her car breaks down after work and it's late and a guy offers her a ride home. She has to think about, okay, well, I need to let somebody know who I'm with. I need to let them know where we're at. I need to let them know what's going on because I don't, I, I know this guy, but I don't know him. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now we're on the way home. Now he's touching on my leg. Okay. What am I supposed to do in this situation? Cause as a man, I'm just like, get off me as a woman. It might be a thing where you tell him to get off you. Now he's putting his hands on you or he's kicking you out the car. Now you're stranded, you know, but like as a guy, I'm not, I don't have to worry about that. So we, we just have to start like, as, as men, we have to start treating women like people we care about. You know what I'm saying? Like we're, we're, we're not living the same life. You know what I'm saying? So what we think is just regular is not the same for women. Like, I think we've talked about this before where, if we're leaving leaving work, walking to our car, I've never thought about like is someone gonna snatch me up? Never, not once. I don't have to worry. I don't. I don't get home and make sure I have the keys in my hand ready to go when I get up to the door. I don't have to do that. I'm a guy. I don't. I have a. I have male privilege. I'm not I'm worried about someone getting. That's why that happened to me. I had to load. I had to unload two. I just got some bar stools, and I had to get both boxes out of the car at one time. And I was having a hell of a time trying to get back in my apartment. And a guy, a man offered me help. And I'm like, I really could use your help, but I don't know who the fuck you are. And if I yeah. open my 
open door and you come inside. I don't have any like I can't fight you off because I have a handful of boxes. So and, and, I have and this, to say, oh, I'm good, but struggle my way into my apartment. And this is this is not me dismissing men because men can be victims of sexual assault. Men men can be raped. Men can all these things can happen to men too. But guys, let's be honest. Men, we're not getting sexually assaulted on the level that women are. It's not happening that often to us, and it doesn't happen. I'm not, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it doesn't happen at the rate that it happens to women. We because if it did, we would think about it more. We like there's a there was a it was trending on Twitter a while ago about the idea of having an all female gym, and I I'd never really thought about it because I'm just like I'm a dude. I go to the gym, whatever. But then there's pictures of like. Uh, this woman working out, and you can see this guy taking a picture of her at the gym. I've seen videos of, and this was, I don't, I, I'm hoping it was fake, but there was like some woman working out, and you can see on the security camp footage, a dude like comes up behind her and like sniffs her butt. I'm just like, this is some wild, and even like at the gym that I go to, there is a like an, a female section, like where it's just where women work out at. I'm just like, I, I, at first, I didn't understand it, but then I got talked to my wife about it because she'll go in there sometimes. It's just like, you know, sometimes you just want to go in there and stretch and not have to worry about how are people looking at me because, like, most women go to the gym with tight pants on, tight clothes. That's what you want to do. That's cool. But then it's like in the back of their mind, they know that there's some creep in there that's going to be staring them down and following them around the entire gym. And it's just like you just want to go in there and work out and go home. Like, I don't, I don't have that issue. I can wear the shortest shorts I got and go to the gym and not worry about anybody grabbing at me. It's never going to happen. It, it's not. It's just not. Women don't, I don't have know. it that um, way. I'm not trying to crack a joke. <laughs> I definitely, if I wear some a certain type of clothing, there are some women that are oogling. You know, yeah. I probably not saying, it, not saying there's I a zero. On record, early in this podcast, I I was sexually assaulted by a woman that I met off of Plenty of Fish, uh, tied me up at gunpoint. But just to put a tie on this, because I know South Breeze is left, and I got to go, too. (laughs) We we reached our goal of two hours. Um, So I have a closing thought real quick. So um, just speaking on the assault thing, Uh, There was a situation maybe two years ago in Kentucky where this guy, Kate McFadden, went onto his neighbor's, uh, went into his neighbor's yard that was playing. She was eight years old, beat her in the head with a shovel and raped her. Uh, So this week they decided, and he admitted it, and they decided, of course, him being a white man, he is unable to stand trial. So he is not going to really get any type of a penalty. We're doing that. I hate to kind of bring this into like a, a sad deal, but that just goes into, you know, what we're kind of talking about here at the end. I mean, I understand that that was a child, but here we are in this scenario and so many other scenarios. Like I forgot the swimmer's name that, you know, raped somebody, got off, no, no repercussions at all. Uh, it, it's just really sad. Like I couldn't imagine being a woman. Um, being a little girl, you know, thinking that you're in front of your front yard playing and some guy now has you on life support because he wants to beat you in the head while he gets his rocks off. I also seen and had been heard about the Woody Allen situation. That was crazy. That dude obviously was raising his stepdaughter to rape her. 
And there were allegations that there was some activities going on before she hit 18. But once again, grooming her for for that. And I had one more uh, thought. <clears throat> so this Montero video and the oh, I haven't watched it. Thousand dollar, thousand dollar devil shoe Air Max ninety sevens. So oh, I don't have a problem with gay people like at all. I have gay family members. I've grown a bunch since the early 2010s, 2012. Uh, I actually sold a car to a gay guy that I do. I do consider him as like a brother. Like he's a really cool person. I don't necessarily have a problem with you wanting to be provocative and different things like that. But just keep in mind your core audience. I mean, it was kind of built off of children, so they are, you know, kind of watching. Um, the devil shoes, that's a bit ridiculous. Like, only 666 made human blood inside the soul. But don't give him as much flack and then not give Nike any flack at all. Because at the end of the day, one of their executives could have said no. You know, they're still going to make the shoes. They're going for $1,000 a pop before they even release. So, I mean, you know, it just kind of is what it is. I understand where he's coming from. This stuff is shock value stuff. Uh, if you haven't seen the video, he's uh, sliding down a pole from heaven to hell and giving an incredible lap dance to the devil. That <laughs> I mean, it really was. And, boy, that was it, it was out of control. But um, and I definitely understand because it's going to get the people talking. It's going to keep the, get the people going. But it's like then when you cross over and you're now doing the devil stuff, it's it's a bit weird. But that's my closing thought. Yeah, uh, the song itself is good. I would say I didn't see the video, so I can't really comment there. Even though he said uh, something to the effect of "Y'all been trying to send me to hell, so don't get mad when I actually go there." I was like, okay, well that's your thing. The devil Fair shoes. <laughs> I'm just gonna say they're not for me. If you want to get you some, do your thing. I'm in this personal thing of it ain't for me, but do you? Um, I would just say my final thoughts. It's really not even a thought. It's just a, a fun fact that I found that the guy that so the Snyder cut of Justice League and the cyborg thing made me think about Ray Fisher. So I read up on that situation because I wasn't privy to it. But then it made me jump into old versions of the old Teen Titans. It's on HBO Max now. So I was watching a couple episodes from the first season there. And it made me look up the voice actor from that series because I everybody sounded the same in Teen Titans Go. So found out that everybody in the original Teen, Tit Teen Titans reprised their role in Teen Titans Go. So I looked up who was Cyborg. And his name is Carrie Payton. And Carrie Payton is actually from Augusta. So shout out to Animated Cyborg. You're dope. It always comes back to Augusta. Um, so so, la so last week, we talked about the uh, shooting in Atlanta that happened. The, the evil white terrorists that shot up the people in Atlanta, shot up the Asian people. And uh, before we could even release that episode of the podcast... There was another shooting in Boulder, Colorado, right? So apparently, I'm pretty sure I saw in the timeline that there was another shooting that happened. I didn't, I didn't look into the details, but I know, I know that a lot of people, you know, we want, you know, our politicians to like, you know, get the stimulus check going, get a, you know, a lot of these like minimum wage, want that stuff, you know, raised up. Um, we need to keep that same pressure on them to get these 
these guns under control because like it seems like every it, 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 it i hate to sound dismissive about it but i kind of did and i i, I had i had i gotta catch myself when this stuff happens because it's like it's like another shooting like well like this is what we do this is our thing and it's like it's becoming so routine that you know we don't really think about it that as much and we just gotta get back on track as far as keeping the pressure on politicians to do the right thing at this point because it's like how many more people gotta die you know that don't have to so uh i'm gonna check out this little Nas x video when we get off of here and see what's going on oh yeah and uh song of the week for me i'm going old school uh tupac um nothing to lose just a great song for tupac anybody else got a song of the week um i discovered a song i changed the name of one of my playlists um it was called vibe but now it's called songs to bag art niggas um because artsy niggas are easy and they really love physics um and so <laughs> one of the songs i just added to that is a song i i'm i think her name may be Fauche, um but she has a song called sing about love um that was really nice and it seems like the perfect song to get an art nigga to look in your direction so Y'all are sick about these art niggas, man. I'm disgusted. Uh, my song, my song of the week, a song I've been listening to just about every day since it dropped. It's going to be the song of the year. Leave the door open, Silk Sonic. Oh, still, still goes. So still I've moves. been singing like little riffs from that song all week. I'm like, this nigga broke bars. He is in his Jerome cosplay, but the nigga sings, okay? <laughs> all the time, all the time. That song is constantly like on a loop in my brain. And like they're the uh the performance that they did for the Grammys of it. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Excellent rendition. So I can't wait for this project to drop. Silk Sonic. Song also, of the year. Peace fat back. You was a real one from the real. Oh. <laughs> Rest in peace fat back. Hey man, that man held it down. Held it down for the culture, man. They don't make niggas like that anymore. I understand being mad at Franklin for the overall, but this one was not on him. <laughs> he did not lie to that nigga. He said, These are the charges you will get, and we will bail you out. He told him. <laughs> hey man, watch Snowfall. If you're not watching Snowfall, please watch it. Please watch it. And the, the more people that watch it that listen to this podcast, then maybe we can convince like South Breeze to watch it, and then we could talk about it here because it's a great yeah. show. Because like there's four yes, seasons. I, I will watch. Oh it God! <laughs> my my song my song of the week would be um, <laughs> Alfredo, Freddie Gibbs, uh, something to rap about. I, I cannot get over the greatness of Tyler Creator's verse in that song. Like if no. I could play that on a loop all the time, I would. Like Tyler was in his bag. <laughs> I thought I removed you from the street. <laughs> How did he get here? Hey, I, 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 we left the door like, open. Like, I guess. Tup like Tupac <laughs> said, "When you turn out the lights, I'll be there in the dark." Oh, that's it. out. Six, All right, KTSC Avenue, and we are out. Uh, shout out to our sponsors. Shout out to everybody who's been holding it down. Uh, shout out to everybody in the comments. I definitely appreciate y'all. Y'all stay blessed and uh, keep living your best life. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Drop a comment on SoundCloud all that jazz. Shout out to Augusta. <laughs>